0: So, welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast as we reach number 104. We officially outrank the uh, issue numbers for Batman at the moment, so clearly that means we're better than Batman. We are doing pre- <laughs> <laughs> we are doing previews uh, this week. We're going to be going through the October book for December releases. So your host as always, Alan, I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Keith Miller. I are yeah And Mr. Roddy McCants.
1: Hello, how's it going?
0: I am wonderful. How has your weekends been, gentlemen? We record- should say we're recording this on a Monday evening, so weekends out of the way. I was delighted to see both of them in the store this weekend. Vicky finally no longer was offended that Roddy hadn't been in for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, and then and then he came in and we couldn't get rid of him. He was there all day. I
1: know, yeah. <laughs> Can't get rid of me once I'm there. Uh, no, my, uh, my little... Uh, small travels are over. Um, I just wanted to take myself away last uh, last weekend to see some of our beautiful countryside. Um, but yeah, I had a really good Saturday actually, hanging out with all you guys and then pretty much went home and just grabbed a few beers and just read about I think I had about 15 comics overall and just, just like went straight through them. Um, loads of good stuff in there which we'll get to well, maybe not mention them. We'll get to them down the line, you know, in a couple of our next review shows. Looking forward to that. But, yeah, um, didn't really do much else over the weekend. Been doing a lot of running recently. Been building that back up. And then I had a wee IKEA trip yesterday, so that was pretty good. Uh, built some flat pack furniture. Always a always a good thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> back to work. Yeah, back to work today. Um, but, yeah, it's been been quite uh, the summer's still hanging in there so it's kind of nice to see it's been Just quite about. sunny yeah but like it's got a wee that wee crisp chill is in the air so
0: yeah autumn's not not far away and how about yourself keith how was your weekend sir
2: uh well it was uh it was it was nice i i uh, i didn't end up going too far no trips to cork or dublin or up to the north coast so it was a balm to the soul to see Roddy for an hour on Saturday morning in the store, I have to say. That lovely, lovely Cuss. chat. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a wee bit, uh, you know, obviously uh, this last week or so they've introduced some, some changes in lockdown measures here in Northern Ireland. Uh, putting a, put a ban on live music uh, entirely uh which is not sitting very well with anybody uh, especially the music industry so uh that you know combined with sort of not really uh, bruna's headed on down to dublin again to start work so i'm back in the house of my own so you know getting used to getting used to being back and it's it's funny how quickly you get you know you go you get used to having someone else around you know for for six months and then uh, and then uh, suddenly you're 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 back to on your own again but uh but I'm not quite feral just yet, um, so that's good. So yeah, it was lovely to get down to the shop and get a bit of a chat on uh, on Saturday morning at the head shared, And then um, Saturday afternoon, I, I went to see the first live music that I've seen in six months, actually, uh, which is strange considering they have banned uh, live music. But um, a, a group of promoters got together and did a, a drive-in gig uh, down at Belfast Harbour. Uh, you know they set up a huge screen. The artist was performing on stage. They set up a huge screen, and then uh, obviously the the vocals, the the music came through your uh, came through your radio whenever you tuned into a particular station. So uh, two two fantastic uh, Northern Irish musicians, uh, Kieran Lavery and Joshua Burnside, performed. Uh, and I, uh, you know went down with a with a, with a buddy, um, and it was just lovely to it was lovely to to sit and listen. And once you once you start connecting the noise that's coming out of your radio with what's happening on stage, you know, once you can get through that, it was, it was great. So, I mean, maybe we're looking at the, uh, at the future of, of live music for, for now. Anyway, I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really fantastic. But the, the thing was, nobody was, uh, nobody was clapping. It was all honking of horns and flashing of lights. You know? So, But, uh, but yeah, so that was great. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't stay for, uh, and so I watch you from a far's gig, which was uh, hilariously titled. And so I watch you from a car, um, but uh, I heard it, it went off quite quite well. Um, so yeah, uh, evening, uh, just chilled out. You know, read some comics, to, uh, watched watched a bit of TV, a few movies, and uh, and the weekend just sort of whiled away.
0: Yeah, you had me worried with your weekend, Keith, because obviously we've we've several group chats that we're all a party of, and. You know, Keith was talking about bloodsport in a derogatory way at the start of his message, and I was really worried because bloodsport is an undisputed classic. But luckily, by the end of the same message, he still said, "But yet, it's brilliant despite the fact it should be terrible."
2: <laughs> I mean, it has all the it has all the pieces that make it terrible. You know, a, a paper thin story, <laughs> terrible, terrible dialogue and acting. But yet, it's just it's class. It really was a you know a good show. Um, I mean obviously jean-claude van damme in there very very early in his career because he can do the box splits uh his, his body looks well when it's oiled up and uh and he, and he can hit people well you know so uh
0: yeah thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable now i have to say and if you take one thing away from this podcast this time it's go and watch blood sport it is awesome one of my right. favorite movies right, of all time yeah. that was the golden era of van damme so it was with bloodsport and kickbox or an AWOL but I'm, I'm getting off track here i'm getting off track
2: yeah it's uh, it's interesting because you know at the end it says you know it tells you it's based on a true story but you know you look into that story for one minute and you realize that the guy the original frank dukes was a total bullshitter like he uh, <laughs> you know he made up a military career he made up this this uh, made up secret martial arts contest that he apparently took part in um but, uh, yeah, but it was it was still a great, great show, really. I haven't seen it in, in years, maybe 10, 15 years, you know, so it's nice to reacquaint myself. Don't burst my bubble, Keith. I thought that full movie
0: was gospel, the complete truth, <laughs> as it happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for a weekend for myself, yeah, a good busy day in the store on Saturday. And then some. I, I sort of had a combination of the two of your weekends because I got through all of my issues uh, last night, but prior to that I watched the movie, it was first time I'd watched the Battle Angel Alita, based on a long-running manga, and it was pretty great, I have to say and I was just saying before this, the only negative to it is that it's clearly the midpoint I started reading up on it, and it's based on so, Battle Angel is nine volumes, and they fit four volumes into that movie, so clearly we're at the midpoint I just don't know if it did well enough to uh, actually get yeah. a sequel
1: I always heard good things about it but um, yeah, I don't think it did Like I'm sure it made its money back, but I don't think it made much more than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering uh, James Cameron was on board producing it, he wanted to direct it for a long, long time, and then he ended up handing over the reins to Robert Rodriguez, but Cameron just unfortunately has committed to making Avatar movies (laughs) the rest of his life, which is a real waste of talent, if you ask me, when you consider the man did Aliens and Terminator. But, I digress. But yeah, good weekend, and then as I say, we're recording this the Monday night, so we're getting ready for a really busy week this week. Three Jokers number 2 is out this Wednesday. Venom 28 after a, a delay of a week is out this Wednesday. Batman Joker Warzone's out this Wednesday. It's a massive stacked week this week, and I'm really looking forward to that. Which, in turn, I will really look forward to a review show about it, which will be coming your way soon also. But we're not here today to talk about reviews. We are going to focus on previews. So again, as always, the idea behind this podcast is just to guide you guys to what's coming out uh, down the line. With comics, it's always a case of getting pre-orders in for titles that come out two months down the line. It is ridiculously unique in uh, in that sense, in terms of an industry. But there's so many new titles come out or that get solicited each month that we just like to guide you through it and sort of pick out the best of what we like. You know, one of the most common compliments I hear for the podcast is that because we have such diverse taste. There's always something for everyone. You know, I'll you know, I do read a bit of everything, but I'll always focus more on the DC, Keith more on the Marvel, Roddy more on the indie. So we try our best to sort of cover everything that we can. So before we get into sort of the meat and bones, you know, we always pick out five titles each each month and we'll always finish off with the title we're looking forward to most. So even if it's a case of, you know, you can only pick up one or two titles a month, we'll we'll let you know the sort of creme de la creme, if you will. But before we get into that, we always like to have a general overview of how each individual book is looking. So Roddy will cover the indie, I'll cover the DC and Keith the Marvel. So why don't you kick us off, Roddy? What was the indie book looking like? I should mention this is the October previews books, and these are for release in December. So hit us with some indie love.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot of love to go around now. <laughs> There's, I'm just waiting for the month where it's it's bad. Um this, why, this is why huge. would
0: you want to wait for that month? Because <laughs> he knows it's well, never gonna happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's massive this month. Um yeah, so we're looking some it seems image have always kind of had one or two books, big ones, but I think this is the month where they're trying to they've got a chance to really take back their indie crown, I would say. Um there's some big big time books. AWA um, are also releasing a couple of brand new titles, brand new number ones that look very special. Um, yeah, um, a lot of intriguing stuff. There's um, Because it's obviously December is a month, which has a massive holiday in it. So Don't there's a mention
0: lot of- the C word, Roddy. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, there's a lot of cracking looking volume ones that would make great christmas presents great holiday presents shall we say for yourself or for anyone else um there's bliss that texas blood is getting the trade paperback of volume one Um, there's a few more that we'll get into um even the ongoing stuff it just really makes you feel like it's a golden age you know because we've got there's just so many class titles um i didn't see in terms of that sort of stuff there's not much to jump on but yeah there's a lot of classic and number ones um it, it seems a bit that's what i was kind of saying image do there it's a big month for them i'd maybe say not so much for a lot of the other companies you know you're I think Vaults have a really impressive looking month. Um, Aftershock have a couple of good things. AWA, as I said, um, all the other guys, IDW and Dark Horse, kind of just seem like they're ticking over. Um, Boom, also the same. They do have a couple of things going on. There's a new Expanse comic book, so they picked up a new license. And then there's, a, I think it's the end of their first Firefly events, which Keith is probably the only one reading
2: maybe blue sun rising yeah so it's a an event that's just taken place throughout the uh throughout the ongoing series which i think i've i think i've said to you is just a fantastic use of a license um just the way they're the way they're doing it so uh blue sun rising is the i guess there's a one shot that's marking the end of that particular event yeah,
1: um yeah yeah um uh oh, boom boom know what they're doing anyway but yeah um that's kind of it it's um kind of a sad month too because dark horse will be saying goodbye to alien i think that's the last uh single release is the final issue of alien the original screenplay which i, I read the first two of those and they they were fantastic
2: weren't they really yeah.
1: really 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 intriguing stuff um we we talked about it more on the last review show for number one didn't we um, but yeah and also it's going to be a sad exciting month for me because we've got a bumper sized final issue for Gideon Falls so maybe that's the best Christmas present of all
0: <laughs> 80 pages no less for that issue yeah, 27
1: so can't, can't wait for that but yeah it's, um, sorry sorry to see it go but yeah um, Indy, great
0: yeah, I mean, tons of indie books are are certainly on the on the board. It's certainly in the store. Vicky's picked a lot of indie books this month as well. As you say, Roddy, the thing with indie is just there's always something for everybody every month, no matter your taste, uh, yeah. what genre you like, anything like that. So it's it's no surprise to see a strong one, and as you say, plenty of strong trades in there as well, and some and an original graphic that I'll certainly get on to later. That I
2: think all three yeah, of us will uh, certainly look totally, forward to. That's right. Totally, and there there was one in there, Roddy, actually, that I know you and I have have been a huge fan of, and uh, it's getting its first trade paperback uh, from from Image, which is that Texas Blood. Yes. Um. Oof. So if if you haven't picked up the first few issues of that book, I'd highly recommend that you scurry into the store and ask uh, Alan or Vicky to to uh, to order that one for you, because that has been unbelievable
1: kind of it's kind of when we left off actually here because i think we just talk about it so much it's one of those i think we we've talked about the first three already so um, yeah there's,
0: yeah, there's, there's definitely a, there's a certain, lot of stuff like that definitely certain Sorry. titles no, no no it's all there's there's definitely certain things like that that we're just we obviously talk about a lot because we love it so much but i guess sometimes we want to veer away from just recommending the same thing every time but but yeah, I mean, we have a lot of customers in-store who just are trade readers. You know, they, they don't get into single issues. You know, everyone, you know, takes their content in, in different ways these days. So I think that'll be a great seller because, you know, just a ridiculously strong story. So, and, and again, as you say, it'll make a great gift for this coming Gift-giving season? Christmas? What? No, I didn't say Christmas. <laughs> cool. So that is the indie book. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump on to myself with uh, the DC book this month. Uh, so <laughs> I, I found it really funny when I clicked on to write our notes that I saw highlighted in yellow. Under Alan was last month you said there'd be a relaunch for d c you year know what always
1: being questioned.
0: I still think there might be next year. I really do uh there was an announcement with Mark Wade coming back to d c to do a tight little get on to later in the book. I think he's the kind of guy that can help steer the ship of d c and what direction they're going in. I see that uh you know Snyder finishes off metal this month, and he has said that he will be stepping away from d c to focus on creator own stuff. So I still think there might be, just, just, I'll, I'll, well, uh, I'll watch this space. You're going
2: wee look behind the curtain there. Cause uh, I mean, whenever we put the script together, I just, I just figured it was something that you had talked about last month that you might want to pick up again, you know, but it was interesting because I was listening to uh Stegman and his amazing friends and Scott Snyder and he's very much against the idea of, of reboots and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, I would say if DC were to, especially with the way Generations was was pulled, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that sort of thing, if they were to reboot now, they'd be really be, you know, kicking Scott Snyder in the face after Death Metal,
0: like. Yeah, I mean, he's probably delivered consistently some of their biggest hits over the years. So, I mean, this is the thing. I when when I say this, I think there might be a relaunch. I don't want a relaunch. I am more Ooh. than happy with how the books are going. Stick to you know twelve issue maxi series for your more interesting characters. Keep your strong ongoings for your main characters. But the one thing I wish DC would do above all, not to divulge slightly away here, is I wish they'd follow Marvel's example and just uh, integrate legacy numbering into their books and therefore make it easy for both new readers and for classic readers. But, But yeah, with the December book in general, just to get back to it, I mean, it's a very solid end of year book for DC. Uh, We finally got a proper release date for a title I've been looking forward, well I think we've all been looking forward to for, for almost a year, we're now getting the first issue of that, which we'll get onto later. There's some more death metal one shots, which I know Keith is looking forward to all of coming our <laughs> way as well.
2: Don't sully my good name. <laughs>
0: uh, and there's also some more one shot tales from the dark multiverse, which again I'll get onto a little bit later. The, we have a Batman annual in here with an artist that might even convince Roddy to pick up a Batman title, which I'm very oh. excited about. Um, there's
1: already convinced. Yes,
0: I can. You heard that, everyone. I can mark that down. Uh, Mm. There is a DC winter event that I'll be honest, I wasn't too sure that many people were excited about. It's sort of arriving with little fanfare. It's it's not got the the biggest creative team in the world. And it's also very awkwardly set up. It's called Endless Winter. But we might end up talking about it a little bit because the the pre-orders are creeping up on that. So maybe we don't have our finger on the pulse in this one. I don't know. But uh we'll we'll maybe get into that a wee bit later we're getting old boys it's time Uh, to move on that's it you know (laughs) put us out the pasture uh there's also an advert in there for the mysterious sounding future state which is due in january and february next year so it's been dated i did sort of maybe think this might be a relaunch but i'm also thinking this might be some of the younger characters maybe propelled into the future Uh, i know keith would dearly love to see a return for batman Beyond. You know, well,
2: that's a that's a sad one for DC this month, Alan, because uh, Batman Beyond 50 has its finale. Yep.
0: Yeah, you know, with, uh, there's a few finales through this month. You know, the aforementioned, as Keith said, Batman Beyond. We've got Bendis wrapping up his long runs on Superman and Action Comics. Uh, there's a couple of Black Label miniseries coming to an end as well. Tons of Continuum prestige series: American Vampire, Deceased, Rorschach, Batman, Strange Adventures. And what was good to see in the book this month as well was there's also some new titles for younger readers as well. So uh yeah, and then just to finish off, there's some cracking Anthology series and one shots as well. So it rounds out what I think is a very, very strong looking month for DC. So yeah, tons to tons to dig into there. Uh and then what of the other of the big two, Keith? How's Marvel looking this month?
2: Well, the the Marvel in December is is uh is defined by three words king in black by uh donny cates and uh, and ryan stegman um to say that that absolute carnage was a prelude to something would be an insult to the absolute madness that was that book but it seems that it was uh, and we'll be going into that a little bit later um what else have we got um i mean there's there's eternals and and, and those sorts of books will be continuing the x books have will have come out of the back of uh, of X of swords, um, and so we'll just be continuing on in their in their usual way. Some of them are are, are have got new teams, you know, and uh, just whenever you're talking about legacy numbering, we've got Wolverine number eight, which is also Wolverine number three hundred and fifty, uh, which is Q seventeen variants. Exactly, it uh, kind of makes a bit of a a bit of a a joke of the the legacy numbering, you know. Um, last remains continues in the amazing spider-man uh we've got the launch of a new spider book called web of spider-man but it's web of spider-man um which is about a, a tech- technology institute sort of thing uh i think Ultraman will be will be wrapping up isn't that right roddy is it four or five issues yes yeah, five issues um, so, so it'll be uh, it'll be wrapping up in january actually yeah. um we have. Well, look. It looks like uh, we've got uh, some exciting stuff happening. in Donny Kate's Thor and Al Ewing's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Enter the Phoenix uh, taking flight in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers. That's just a. It's a story arc inside of just inside of the Avengers title, so no no worries there. Uh, Iron Man will be on the new Iron Man series. Christopher Cantwell and Cafu will be on number five. Really enjoyed the first issue of that. Um, but other than that, you know, we're, it, it's, there's a lot of ongoings. Um, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, Daredevil's new, uh, new story arc, uh, doing time kicking off and Daredevil's just totally strong. Uh, Conan's back. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of really, uh, really fantastic, uh, trades. Um, uh, I guess in December we've got Marvel, uh, kicking off with, the, just to pick up where Roddy left off, kicking off with the Aliens stuff, um, with the uh, the Alien Original Years Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover. Um, so that includes uh, Aliens 1-6 to from 1988, uh, Aliens 1-4 to from 1989, Earth War, Genocide, Hive, Tribes, Newt's Tale, Alien 3, uh, Alien Space Marines, all sorts of uh, reprinted Dark Horse stuff. Uh, in there, so yeah, I mean that's, class. that's a big one, that's a that's $125 book but uh, it, uh, yeah, it looks, looks a, gorgeous A mammoth um, 1,032 pages Yep, and a, and a Greg Land cover um, What else have we got in here? I noticed uh, jumped out at me, Alan, jumped out at me was uh, there's a, a Thunderbolts Omnibus um, uh, Thunderbolts Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover with a mark bagley cover um and that i would just i'd I'd recommend completely it's another 125 point book it includes uh the original thunderbolts run from 1997 issue zero to 33 thunderbolts annual from 1997 uh thunderbolts distance rumblings one shot and thunderbolts minus one incredible hulk 1968 449 spider-man team up heroes for hire the captain american citizen v annual and tales from the marvel universe so been able to re-experience that, that book that, you know, it was launched, it was launched before the internet was really a massive, massively uptaken thing. thing. The idea of spoilers in the internet was not, was not a thing. So, so being able to, if you've never read that first issue, being able to see that, that cover, that, 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 not cover that end, that was a total surprise uh, would be lovely. So if you've never read Thunderbolts, which is absolutely one of my favorite, favorite runs of all time, Kurt Busiek and uh, and uh, Mark Bagley. I would highly recommend that uh, that hardcover, um, but it is a chunk of change. So, um, but yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of plenty of good stuff uh, coming out. There's a lot of um, support for the Eternals in the trade section. You know, uh, trade paperbacks and hardcovers just to to support the the new ongoing series. Um, uh, but other than that, I think that I think that that covers it. There's there's plenty going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to jump on your point there, just very quickly, when you're talking about the omnibuses and that kind of thing, it's always worth having a look, if any of those interest you, that they'll always do what's called a direct market cover. So they'll do a slightly different cover for the omnibuses that are only available in comic stores. So you'll see with that Thunderbolts one, for example, Keith's talking about, you've got uh, a Mark Bagley uh, cover to the main one which is based on the first issue. We've also got another Bagley annual cover which you know just to give you a different choice there. Uh, And then one last thing I should mention otherwise Vicky might you know cut my head off is that there is an all new Wolverine omnibus uh, being solicited this month. This is a Tom Taylor run that I believe is amongst Vicky's favourite of her comics. She's been asking me for genuinely a year and a half two years Is there ever going to be a nice omnibus for all-new Wolverine? Because it's absolutely brilliant and I want it all in one place. Well, yeah, it's an early solicit. It's not out until April of next year. But same again, you've got the main cover there, which is uh, your traditional Laura Kinney cover. Or there also is uh, an Adam Kubert variant cover as well. So, yeah, just worth keeping an eye on for those. Omnibuses are definitely becoming more popular in store. There's more people pre-ordering them, more people... Just like having that sheer wealth of content all in one place, Ooh. you know? it's <laughs> if, if I didn't have everything that's in the Thunderbolts Omnibus hardcover, it would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's an interesting format because, you know... Obviously, with that Thunderbolts one, for example, I think it says it's 1,100 pages. So you're talking they got of 45 to 50 issues in there, which yeah. if you try and backtrace those independently, you'll probably pay more than the Omnibus. So although the Omnibuses can be a chunk of change, as you say, they actually do work out good value when you when you break it down. Plus, they look really nice on the shelf as well. Speaking of uh,
2: really nice looking on the shelf, um, just at the back of uh, of the, the Marvel previews, there's the Diamond Select Toys section. There is a fantastic diorama of Hawkeye with Pizza Dog, uh, which just looks great. Um, so, not normally want to mention the uh, to mention the the statues, but that looks fantastic, doesn't it? <laughs> from one of the best Hawkeye runs, no less. Exactly.
0: And even then, just jumping on Hawkeye as well, just to add to what you were talking about, trades some wonderful trades from Marvel this month as well. You've got uh, Hawkeye freefall hitting trade. You've got Falcon Winter Soldier. Been really digging that so far, which will be hitting trade. And also the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man, which I don't know if you has a read issue 4 or not, but holy moly, that got dark. Mm, not quite yet, but I'll get there. <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt. So, yeah, so that's just a, a brief rundown then of the, the books in general. Now, the books are always available in store. You can come down, have a flick through them, have a chat with us there. DC, I should say, is online only now. Uh, just look up DC Connect dot com and it's issue five we'll be covering everything that we're chatting about this month, so yeah we're gonna kick it off as, as I say we always pick out five titles each, so we'll take it in turns for this and i'll I'll start off with myself now I'm gonna get a little bit of abuse for my first pick and probably rightly so. Uh, after months of accusing Mr. Miller of circumventing the rules, if you will. and Rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> picking two titles that fall into one. I rather lazily this month just wrote <laughs> Tales from the Dark Multiverse, all one-shots. Uh, yeah, so Tales from the Dark Multiverse has been a label I've really enjoyed. It's it's essentially Elseworlds and all but name, uh, except that it focuses on the Dark Multiverse that we were introduced to through Dark Knight's Metal. So what they've been doing is looking at long-established prestige stories from DC's history and putting a spin on them. So we already have coming up is Hush and Flashpoint, which is going to be in November. But there were three more announced for December. And because these are just one-shots, I just sort of feel that it's, it's wise just putting them together and saying, you know, these are the three. So the three main events that they're going to be focusing on, so you've got one that's going to be based on Crisis on the Infinite Earths. This one, rather excitingly, actually, is written by Steve Orlando. Uh, who's a really, really good writer, really digging. um, I managed to get an early look at Commanders in Crisis that I know he's writing. Uh, Really, really good first issue. But the art's by Mike Perkins as well, who did such uh, good work on Lois Lane. You've also got Wonder Woman, War of the Gods, which is written by Vita Ayala, and art by Ariel Olivetti. And then you finish off with one that I find kind of funny, which is Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Dark Knight's Metal which is what sort of kicked it all off. Uh, This one's uh, a little bit of a team effort. The writers are Colin Kelly, Jackson, Lansing, and Scott Snyder. And the art by Carl Moster, who's a South African artist who did Deceased Unkillables. So at the very least, this is going to look awesome. And Trevor Scott as well. So again, these are always 48 pages prestige format one shots. So just to reach out the blurb for the three of them very, very quickly. For Crisis on Infinite Earths, When the Anti-Monitor's deadly grudge match with the multiverse was finally foiled, there was only one Earth left. But which Earth? That was crucial to what would happen next. In one timeline, Earth-1's Superman stopped the Superman of Earth-2 from going into the final battle. But in the dark multiverse, it's Jor-El of Earth-2 who survives. Changing the landscape for all that follows. When Sorter comes looking to crush all life, the beleaguered heroes jump into their next big battle. Jumping from one crisis to the next. But will the last days of the Justice Society of America play differently if Green Lantern Alan Scott can step into the darkness? Uh, then with War of the Gods, this is a, a very much a Wonder Woman based one. The realms of the gods have been turned upside down and inside out on the verge of engulfing Earth and its people. Only one hero stands to defend it. Wonder Woman. But that is another world and another story. Behold the mirror image of this tale taking place in the dark multiverse with the Wonder Woman who is ready to destroy it all. Cursed by the evil goddess of magic, Hecate, our beloved Diana has become a weapon of vengeance ready to tear down any god or superhero that stands in her way. Will Earth and its heroes survive her might or are they doomed to worship the dark princess of the Amazons for the rest of eternity? And then we finish off with as I say, I find it hilarious that they're doing a Dark Knight's Metal one of these, but <laughs> <laughs> in the event of finding epic Dark Knights Metal, the Justice League defeated the vile Barbados and his Dark Knights to save the universe from sinking into the abyss of the dark multiverse. But what if they had failed? What if Barbados reigned victorious, enter an alternate timeline where the DCUs, you know it has been dragged down into the darkness? Is that not death metal? Gotcha, uh, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> this is very meta. <laughs> Witness the Justice League you once knew, hideously transformed into dragons who serve at the mercy of evil. Duke Thomas, the last monitor, will have to seek out Nightwing, suddenly Keith is interested, and the few remaining survivors of the metal event to assemble the final Justice League in an attempt to save the multiverse. Featuring a story by metal architect Scott Snyder, rising stars Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, and art by red hot artist Carl Moster, you won't want to miss the biggest, loudest arena rock concert in the history of the DC universe. I'm pretty sure that tagline was at the end of Metal Solicitation and at the end of Death Metal Solicitation. But <laughs> I'm still looking forward to them. So, yeah, they're going to be a series of one-shots. So they're not really particularly linked. So if only one of them appeals to you or only two of them or whatever, that's, that's absolutely fine. We do have a lot of people who, who tend to collect all three. So uh, really looking forward to those. I, I, I love alternate takes on classic stories. So uh, those are right up my
2: alley, I have to say. It's uh it's it's a, it's probably a difficult time. You know, if you were coming into the DC catalog this month looking to try something, because you could very easily get confused between the Tales from the Dark Multiverse one shots and the Dark Knights Death Metal one shots. Yeah, I think that's fair to a degree. I mean, it's
0: it's certainly up to the comic stores I think to to always be able to distinguish between these and guide people in the right way but no I, I fully accept that as a point I mean Tales from the Dark Multiverse and Dark Knight's Death Metal I mean it, it all kind of falls under the same umbrella and it would be maybe easy to think this is, uh, is linked to that but that's why you listen to this podcast people so we can guide you in the right direction uh, yeah they're all one shots that completely stand on their own whereas the ones Keith is alluding to the Death Metal one shots they tend to tie into the the ongoing death metal event so uh but yeah trust your local friendly comic book store uh to guide you through these troubled times (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that was my first pick as i say that was well my first three picks um tales from the dark multiverse all of the one shots (laughs) uh i'll just very quickly fill in on what vicky's first pick was which is an image comics title called homesick pilots so this is number one of, I believe it is going to be an ongoing series. This one actually interests me as well simply because of the writer, which is Dan Waters. Dan Waters did a really great, weird David Lynchian type title called Coffinbound, which is currently ongoing, and also was a writer for Lucifer. And the artist on this is someone called Casper Wingard, who has worked on Star Wars and Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. So for this one, in the summer of 1994, a haunted house walks across California. Inside is Amy, lead singer of a high school punk band, who's been missing for weeks. How did she get there, and what do these ghosts want? Expect three chord songs and big bloody action that's, wait for it, Power Rangers meets The Shining. Uh, what more can you say to that? Uh, the preview art, I have to say, looks absolutely glorious in the books. Uh, there is am not usually one to look at preview art too closely, because I don't really want an awful lot given away before I will actually read a title. And I tend to give most number ones a go. But the preview art in this looks great. Uh, set in 1994, as I say, so it'll have a, a slightly different aesthetic anyway. This might be quite nostalgic for us old people who uh, enjoy our comics as well. So might be one to keep a lookout for, as I say. It's a number one, so same again if it, it also says if you like the likes of Stranger Things or Paper Girls or stuff like that, then this might be, mm. this might be up your alley. So, yeah, I nice. have to say that looks good. That is Homesick Pilots from Image. How is Vicky? She is wonderful. She is just back from actually shopping. So, you know, too tired to be chatting comics right now. But out of all of us, I think she finished her pull list first this week. Ah. so i i have a sneaky suspicion we may just get her on to a review show soon whether she likes it or not good i'll say that <laughs> but we'd love
1: to have her back
0: well that's it it'd be great to you know get the full crew back together as well again but yeah she's just at the store much more these days so i suppose she's interacting with people much more through the store and so forth so that's uh that's always a good thing Fet so looking
2: at you doesn't want to talk to you
0: yeah well i just disappear upstairs yeah okay fair <laughs> so yeah Homesick Pilots number one that was Vicky's first pick so what have you got for us Roddy what is your first pick from this month's book
1: um did you say Dan Waters
0: Dan Waters yeah I didn't
1: yeah because he's back he's back already uh, the picture of everything else which is a number one from Vault Comics uh yeah as you say he is the writer of the trippy awesome Coffin Bound and we have artist Kishore Mohan who um, worked with Ram V on a Kickstarter called Black Mamba a long time ago. And then letterer Adia Bidikar who did stuff for These Savage Shores as well and also on Black Mamba too. Um, so it, it seems like these kind of all this, there's kind of like a cool crew that kind of just jumps in and out of each other's books on this one. But um yeah, we've talked before. These Savage Shores and like Black Stars Above, Vault Comics kind of have this like exciting literary comic fiction going on. And this, to me, was like a home run when I heard about it. Um, you, I know the way you're saying about preview art, Alan, but you just need to go and have a look at this. Keyshore's art is phenomenal. It's like so dreamy and watercolory, but there's you know there's an underlying hint of just pure horror coming i absolutely love it um but yeah as the 20th century dawns art promises to change the world and steep it in blood a rash of impossible killings sweep through paris tearing the rich and beautiful apart in their beds when two art thieves stumble upon the portraits of the victims damaged in the exact same manner they died It appears that the man who once painted the immortal portrait of Dorian Gray has returned with darker plans for future works. Um, Does anyone know who the name of the man who painted Dorian Gray in the book? no silence no. yeah basil basil hallward who a uh, bit of a spoiler for the uh, 19th century classic <laughs> dorian gray
2: too, uh, soon, Ronnie,
1: too soon dorian dorian kills him uh as far as i remember so that'll be interesting to see um but yeah um anything sort of gothic um 19th century horror is just right up my alley and i loved um i just loved the sound of this just like blew me away. It sounds great. Um, I've got a few wee quotes from the guys here um, just to tell you a little bit more about the book. Um, from Kishore, he says, I've always been fascinated by how art influences the world, not merely translating experiences across space and time, but by actually altering opinions, normalizing taboos, instilling new values, and changing every damn thing that it touches. Um, yeah, like. This sounds great, and I love—I kind of love what Walter doing. And we've discussed a little bit before that um, they're hard to get, so they're definitely worth pre-ordering with your local comic book store. If Coffee and Heroes is not your local comic, comic book store, why not?
0: <laughs> the only reason we will accept is because you live in America
1: if, or Australia. <laughs> and we, I mean, do,
2: uh, anywhere else in the world, you are there is a website
0: yeah I mean Vault in general I, I agree with Roddy they're they're sort of sneaking under the radar a little bit I mean my my pull list this week had, I have a couple of Vault titles on it and believe it or not Roddy I don't think you're on any of them either but no, there's well, a really well, really good one called Engine Ward which I've really been enjoying which is Sort of like a, a steampunk exploration of all the different star signs. But they've all been manifested into like the gods and they rule over people. It's really, really good. It's Jeez, three issues in. Awesome. And there's another really good one called Heavy that I started reading last week as well. But what caught my eye certainly with this one. First of all, as you say, there is, there's two covers for it and they're both absolutely stunning. But it, it seems to be like a slight imprint of Vault called Nightfall Horror. Which I kind of wonder mm-hmm. if they'll maybe be doing like a little line of horror books. Because is... it
1: wasn't, I saw one in the store the other day and I wasn't too sure to pick it up. There was the autumnal, was Thumb- that under Nightfall?
0: Yeah, that was another yeah. one. There's there's a couple of guys on it in the store. Actually, I haven't read it myself, so I can't, I can't comment too much. But I've heard some good things about that as well. And as you say, it's the same way maybe we were looking sort of 9, 10, 12 months ago at Boom before they've exploded to be to the level they're at now, maybe Vault are worth keeping an eye on. So uh yeah, I think I'll be putting myself down for this one as well. See you, Roddy, had to my pull list, how dare you? Uh no.
1: it should be the other way around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh come on. I know you're down for all three Tales from the Dark Multiverse, one shots. <laughs>
1: Uh, no comment
0: just plead the fifth on this one so yes that's roddy's first choice from the october book that is the picture of everything else number one so why don't you finish off the first round of picks then keith what have you got for us for october
2: i have got a marvel ongoing for you uh brand new uh by al ewing and valerio Shiri, uh called sword s-w-o-r-d number one uh the the synopsis reads, in the startling aftermath of X of Swords, mutant kinds will take the next bold step in claiming their destiny by relaunching the sentient world observation and response directorate to deal with all things extraterrestrial on behalf of Earth. Uh, the events of SWORD will have tremendous impact not only on the X-Men's world, but the Marvel Universe as a whole as the mutants of SWORD warp the cosmic landscape forever. So SWORD was um, originally created by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy in 2004 for, it was Astonishing X-Men and uh, as I say, S.W.O.R.D. stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. It's a like a counter-terrorism and intelligence agency with a purpose to deal with extraterrestrial threats to Earth's security. And it's the it's a space-based counterpart of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, which obviously deals with local threats in the world. So you see what they've done there, S.W.O.R.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. You see. You Very see smart. What, see what they've done there, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, after Nick Fury departed as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., the relationship between the org- two organizations became really, uh, really dodgy and uh, and sort of broke down a bit. S.W.O.R.D. is led by uh, special agent Abigail Brand. She's a half-human, half-alien mutant hybrid. Uh, and it has this headquarters on this orbital space station known as the peak. Uh, and it had a, it had an undercover like agent in in the X mansion members of sword included a uh, beast, Abigail brand, Henry, Peter, gay, Lockheed, spider woman, people like that. And then that was, that was sort of 2004 In 2010. Uh, Kieran Gillen wrote a five issue. It was supposed to be an ongoing, but it was canceled after five issues. Uh, a five-issue second volume of of or a first volume of sword because it originally had just taken place in astonishing x-men so and that that's where henry peter Geyrick came in as co-commander alongside abigail brand um and as i say that only lasted five issues so brand turned up again then as a supporting character in captain marvel as part of uh, the all new all different marvel stuff um which was after secret wars uh the the, the hickman secret wars and that featured Sort of Abigail Brand is the lieutenant commander of the new Alpha Flight space station. She was working directly with Captain Marvel, and she's very not fond of Cap of Carl at all. And it's revealed that uh, that um, Brand turned down the role of of commander of Alpha Flight by Puck. So then Abigail turned up again recently in the aftermath of Empire. Uh, now I don't know where everybody's at with Empire, Alan. I'm looking at you
0: still yet to read it
2: okay so yeah uh, me
0: but, too me but too. unfortunately i um,
1: like um, i'm only oh sorry
2: no no go ahead right after you
1: go ahead no i was gonna say um keith's kind words about it like kind of intrigued me like i definitely think i will have a read of it at some point
2: no. i need an
1: event you guys you guys have convinced me
2: i need to read more event comics <laughs> well, only... there's a, there's 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 pros and cons there, Roddy, There's pros and cons. Very much <laughs> so, um.
0: but yeah, I, re- I did read the Immortal She-Hulk one shot this week, and it had spoilers for the end of Empire. Yeah, so. quite. Sure but it no, does. I will yeah, yeah. I will read through it in the next couple of days. I would say.
2: Okay, well, I'll not I'll not go into Abigail's Abigail Brand's role in the aftermath of Empire, but needless to say that the end of Empire kicks off um kicks off this series. Uh, so. Sword will be, I say, it's a 2020 relaunch. It's going to be part of Dawn of X, written by Al Ewing, drawn by Valerio uh, Sheedy. Um Al Ewing needs no introduction. He wrote all of Empire. He writes Immortal Hulk. He uh, writes We Only Find Him when, when They're Dead. He writes all the things. Um, uh, Valerio Sheedy was on Guardians of the Galaxy, Empire, um, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, whole lot of stuff. So the initial team seems to be Abigail Brand, Cable. Uh, Frenzy, Phoebe and Cortez. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Magneto, Manifold and WizKid. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, it, obviously the first thing to say would be, oh no, another X title, but you know, you can pick and choose really. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm picking and choosing this one um, because it just, that looks, one
1: definitely sounds like you could,
2: you could read it without reading the others. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I think you. I think you could be right. It's. Uh, it's an interesting one, and I think uh, from what I from what I hear, Sword was actually supposed to originally feature in the original Thor movie. Uh, there was a, a deleted post credit scene where Selvig tells Jane Foster and Darcy to cross reference with the Sword database. However, because at the time, um, Lockheed and Abigail Brand were owned by 20th Century Fox, the scene was cut. And then it's got me wondering then right. about about. Do you remember the Do you remember the end of uh, of Spider-Man Far From Home, where Nick Fury and the Skulls Scrolls are operating out of a, a space station? Makes me mm-hmm. wonder whether or not that's not the peak the Sword base, and whether we're maybe looking at at the inclusion of Sword in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So uh, anyway, Sword number one by Al Ewing and Valerio Sheedy, uh, December. <laughs> Um, I think it looks good. The art looks fantastic. The writing's going to be top-notch. It's an Al-Yung book. Come on, what else do you need? Well, it's interesting because I I know you've said that you
0: can pick and choose for the X titles. That is, unless you want to read X of Swords, which just kicked off where you're going to have to pick up every single one of those 22 issues, but <laughs> I did read the first issue of it, and obviously no spoilers because I don't think Keith's got to it just yet, but it was a wonderful first issue, but they do mention Sword in it, so I think that It's definitely, they're going to spend part of X of Swords setting up this title as well. So uh, it might be worth worth jumping on that to give you a precursor. But outside of that, hopefully it's just it's a number one that'll be, you know, kind to new readers as well. So uh, cool. So that was Keith's first pick, which is Sword number one. So I'm going to keep the Marvel love going. Shock I know. But very nice of you. It is, but you know, I'm being very nice because you two were very nice to me in introducing me to the world of Conan. So mm. Conan, Conan the Barbarian came back to Marvel a few years ago, was being utilized by Dark Horse for a number of years. And it came back really strong. You guys raved about it all the time. And it was Jason Aaron, obviously, coming off of Thor, was still writing it. And the artist was Mahmud Azrar, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Those first 12 issues Roddy was kind enough to lend them to me and then unfortunately he put me in a little bit of debt because I then had to go and source them for myself which despite owning a comic (laughs) store is not always the easiest thing but totally worth it, can't recommend enough guys if, uh, if you even have the slightest passing interest in Conan that run is superb. But the reason I chat Conan is because in December there's going to be a one-shot celebrating 50 years of Conan. So although it's not been at Marvel all this time, it's 50 years since Conan started with comics. And to celebrate that, they're doing this one-shot, 64 pages. And this is a who's who of uh, talent involved with this one. So... Just to break it down, so revelation, surprises and savage action prevail in the all-new Keen-Size Conan number 1. In 1970, Roy Thomas brought Conan the Barbarian, a creation of author Robert E. Howard, to Marvel Comics. With art by the incomparable Barry Windsor Smith, Conan the Barbarian introduced the Hyborian Age to a whole new audience, paving the way for decades of comics and Conan's conquest of pop culture. Now get ready to celebrate 50 years of Conan with an oversized special spanning the breadth of Conan's life and times by the most dazzling array of creative talent. Experience Roy Thomas and Steve McNiven's that's a hell of a team, all new prelude to that original story from 1970. Thrilled to a Tale of Revenge by Kevin Eastman, yes, the co creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, writing and drawing his first Marvel story. Chris Claremont and Roberto De La Torre team up to unveil a turning point in Conan's career as a mercenary. Kurt Busiek and Pete Woods recount an early brush with sorcerous forces that will shape Conan's destiny. Conan and Billy sail together again for the first time since the 2019 relaunch, with Jesus Says illustrating the Marvel Comics debut of Stephen S. De Knight, who was a writer, director, and showrunner on Netflix's Daredevil. So what's really cool about this as well as being something that will reward long-term readers, it's also a perfect introduction for new fans as well. And... Yeah, this this was the one that yeah. out of the whole Marvel book just stood out to me straight away. I may have stolen it off these two kind gentlemen as one of my picks.
2: Like Conan Sweet. the Thief. <laughs>
0: I learned from the best. I learned from the best. Yeah, um this
1: sounds incredible. Kurt sick um wrote a lot of the Dark Horse stuff, I believe. Um back um, many, many years ago now. I might even be over 10, 15. Um, that just sounds incredible. It's it. Like, what mm. a what a mix. Kevin Eastman, Chris Claremont. You know, that sounds crazy. But oh, yeah. yeah, well up oh, for unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. It's got, yeah. like, got, got a good load of variant covers as well, isn't there?
0: Well, not quite as many as Eternals, but I don't think many... Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> they've set the bar for it, huh?
0: <laughs> But yeah, no, as you say, there are some uh, cracking sounding uh, variant covers for that one as well. I mean, the the main cover itself is beautiful, it's by Andrew C. Robinson, but you've got variant covers by Jesus Says, Jem Bartel, Joe Jusco, Carlos Pacheo, uh, John Busema, Kevin Eastman, so there's there's a heck of a lot of uh, great-looking variants there, but I have to say, I've got to go with that main cover, just, I think that Andrew Robertson, uh, Robinson, want to beg your pardon, is superb, just beautiful painterly style. Uh, which sort of shows Conan at different periods in his life. So uh...
2: It's uh it's nearly uh it's nearly movie like, you know, it's nearly it's nearly like the movie posters of uh, of Conan the Barbarian or Conan the Destroyer, actually. That, yeah, who was,
0: who was the famous artist that did it? it was Drew Struzan, wasn't it? He did uh... like the thing and Raiders of Lost Ark and all those sort of classic painted movie posters. Not like those horrible cut and paste jobs these days.
2: And that's, uh, what, 64 pages, is it?
0: 64 page, one shot, so it is. So I think that's going to be tremendous. And what's interesting as well is I was just looking ahead in the Marvel book there as well. And they're also soliciting Conan 17 and 18. Nice back. Now, yes, 17 itself. seems to be the end of an arc, but 18 looks like it's the beginning of a new arc. So if you enjoy the Keen Size Conan, there looks like there's a perfect jumping on opportunity there with Conan 18 as well. So awesome might be worth keeping an eye on as well. So, yeah, a little bit of Marvel for myself there. So that is Keen Size Conan number one. To move on to Vicky's second pick and another one that I will wholeheartedly agree with, simply because it's coming from AWA Studios. Obviously, Keith, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon, Roddy, in the intro there had mentioned the good work that AWA are doing these days. And this looks to be no exception. So this one is called Bite-Sized. So brand new number one. It doesn't specify how long it's going to be, but the thing with AWA Comics seems to be their four-issue miniseries or five-issue miniseries. And then if they do well, I think they will get a, uh, a second volume. So I, I think this will probably be a four-issue miniseries. So written by Colin Bunn. Uh, illustrated by Nelson Blake II. So, when two young siblings excitedly unwrap their final Christmas presents, sorry, Keith, they discover toy robots unlike anything they have ever seen. And with good reason. What the kids and their parents don't know is that their quaint suburban home just became the beachhead for these self-aware robots that have begun to explore the outside world. And when one of the bots breaks bad, it's going to take a Christmas miracle to stop them. Come on, Keith, that has all your favorite things right there.
1: Sentient robots. The miracle of Christmas.
0: You know, there's even a Christmas tree on the cover. I think Keith's all over this.
2: Oh, I'm sold. I'm absolutely sold. (laughs)
0: I'll leave it at that. Um but yeah, no, I as I say I've I've been digging all the AWA output, and that actually sounds very different to the stuff they've been doing so far. You know, yeah. so so far you've had sort of Dark horror in a hotel and you've got zombie apocalypse stuff and you've got end of the world scenarios with resistance and Devil's Highway, which is sort of a dark horror story. So that actually looks like it'll be a little lighter in content and maybe something that even slightly younger readers could jump into as well. So yeah, so that was Vicky's second pick, which is bite-sized at number one. What about you, Roddy? Give us another pick. What do you got?
1: Uh gonna keep going on the indie Indie bandwagon here, and this this one is very independent. Um, Started life as a sort of single issue short uh, piece of work published by Uncivilized Press way back in 2013, and it won or sorry, it was nominated for an Eisner for the best single issue or one shot. And this is by James Romberger, and it's called Sorry, excuse me, Post York. Um so this is um sort of like expanding the original one shot and making it into like a 40 page one shot um about the end of the world the story is set in New York after the polar ice caps melt a young man navigates the flooded city looking for something anything anyone to start again um he yeah everything changes when he encounters a mysterious woman and a trapped blue whale will they be each other's salvation or destruction. This sounds really cool. I'm really, really digging it. Um, love stuff like The Road, The End of the World. I'm sure it's not going to be water world, but I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's just stuff that really interests me about it. I was reading... Um, an interview with ron Berger and he sort of said um post york's hero is my son crosby and the story is an apology to him because of the mess um his generation has left the planet in for the future so that, that really interests me and um it's really his the whole art process around it is really intriguing because He says the book is created in an experimental way, improvised directly onto artboards without a script or preliminary layout. And then there's all this stuff. Are you saying, Roddy,
0: are you saying that he's winging it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. So that's why you have to pick it up. Uh, so there's loads of, there's stuff he talks about in this interview about alternative endings and all this other stuff. So it sounds really intriguing and his art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, should say the new one is published by dark horse under the burger books imprint. I'm really looking forward to it actually. Um, definitely something to check out. James Romberger has done, done a book with a, uh, David um called Seven Miles a Second. And that was a book about um, the AIDS crisis in the 1990s New York. So it's one of a very special comic book if you haven't read that. Um, uh, David, it was written in his, the last years of his life, sort of similar in style to stuff like philadelphia and all that kind of thing um so yeah it's really really intriguing reads so if that's anything to go by this is definitely one to pick up
0: yeah i should mention just very quickly uh that it is a advance solicit so that'll actually go in february so it will be but yeah beautiful looking uh cover for that i have to say based on the previous book so yeah i'll keep an eye for that Roddy's always good with the old uh original graphic novels recommendations plus the burger book stuff tends to be really interesting in general you know
1: i've really seen much from the burger books recently in the previews but or maybe i've just ignored them but it's yeah this this really piqued my interest
0: yeah i mean the the burger books we we had a, a decent wee run with them there was yeah. girl in the bay which was burger books yeah, Invisible um, Kingdom. Invisible Kingdom. There was one called Hungry Ghosts, which was Anthony Bourdain, Bourdain wrote oh, that oh, as yeah. well, which was really good. So there are a couple of good ones out there, but yeah, I mean, maybe they expected more uh, Dark Horse. Obviously, Karen Berger, primarily responsible for that golden era of Vertigo comics. So it's uh, it's nice to see something really interesting in the book for, for this uh, month's previous book. So cool. So that was Roddy's second pick. That was Post York, uh, an original trade paperback which is coming out in february 2021 and we'll finish off with another we pick them from keith what have you got for us next
2: sticking with marvel uh got a one shot uh Ghost Rider: return of vengeance number one by howard mackie and uh, javier Solteras. so this is this is an interesting one uh for for a number of reasons that i'll that'll i discuss but uh the synopsis says that michael Badalino was a bad dude in life and that landed him in hell but not just any old rung of hell a lair so deep it's reserved for those special enemies of hell one where a former spirit of vengeance may suffer for all eternity but eternity is too long to keep down the one who takes the name of vengeance fan favorite ghostwriter creators Howard Mackie and javier Solteros return to the saga of spirits of vengeance in an all new tale as vengeance brings his own brand of hellfire back to the marvel universe uh, and I am so looking forward to it. So, Vengeance was a character created by by uh, Maggie and Salteras during that uh, absolutely seminal uh, ghostwriter run of uh, of Maggie's back in the 1990s. So, Maggie first gained attention as a writer as a writer in 1990 when he and uh, Javier Salteras launched a new ghostwriter series for Marvel, revamping the character and introducing the new host of Danny Ketch. Uh, and he wrote that for six years up until issue 69. And it was a lot of people's first introduction to Ghost writer. So Danny Ketch is a lot of people's first Ghost Rider. Um, Ed Breeson in his recent Ghost Rider series was really nodding to that that run of Howard Mackey's um, back in the 90s. And, uh, and this is interesting because this, I believe, was already solicited as the Ghost Rider annual number one, the return of vengeance. So I got very, very excited a few months ago before they announced the uh, the uh, the end of, of Ed Breeson's run on that and that Ghost Rider annual uh, which was advertised in March sort of fell off. Um so it looks like this is the same thing but retooled in some way. But what I do notice is in that last solicitation it was Hard Mackey Ed Breeson and Javier Solteras. But in this Ed Breeson's name has dropped off. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. Um, anyway, but so if, if you, if you, if you haven't read, uh, if you weren't reading Breeson's run, uh, I think this is very much for that, for that, that sort of person or that sort of person who read the original uh, 1990 Ghostwriter's run. Uh, Michael Badalino was a Marine turned cop and later detective, And he didn't have much else to do but follow in his dad's footsteps and convince, you know, commit himself to serving, you know, the NYPD. Unfortunately for him, Mephisto had other plans and, uh, manipulated, uh, you know, he manipulated Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch and, uh, And there was a a demon that ruined Michael Badalino's life as he knew it and convinced him to sell his soul to become vengeance. So it turned out Badalino was originally supposed to have that power all along, even without having to sell his soul. And the good news is that for a while, despite the fact he was a Ghost Rider villain, he fought alongside Ghost Rider to enact some good outside of his day job, uh, doing the same to a lesser extent, but it didn't last very long. So for a while... Michael Badalino vengeance was was Ghost Rider was the spirit of vengeance so uh, somewhere down the line he lost control he started taking lives that he could have saved and eventually he sacrificed himself to defeat Hellgate uh, and then he returned to uh, in Ghost Rider in a battle against Mephisto's uh, son Blackheart and then he landed himself in hell but that's clearly not where the story ends so Um, What Howard Mackey has to say about this new title, it is a one-shot. He says, I'm excited to be able to make the journey back to the Ghost Rider corner of the Marvel Universe and revisit Michael Badalino and Vengeance. When I came up with the idea of her vengeance a few years back, I thought, what if there was a version of Ghost Rider who could take the gloves off, not hold back, forget about penance? You know, what if Ghost Rider wasn't such a wimp? (laughs) In this book, we get the beginnings of an unchained vengeance, so... So, no, you know who else can call Ghost Rider a one pick except Hard Mackie So, so, and I mean the visuals. Uh, I mean the visuals of of Vengeance just as a as a character, fantastic. You know, he's he's this huge hulking dude. You know, with this this demon skull hair and these protruding teeth and these spikes along his forehead, and you can through his costume, you can see his fiery ribs and all this sort of stuff. He's uh, he is a bit of a badass. Um, so, so yeah, I'll be interested to see if this. You know what they've they've done with this. You know the original solicit back in March that had Ed Breeson's name on it involved uh, Lilith going up against Johnny Blaze and Mephisto for the throne of 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 Hell, uh, and and Badalino sort of entered that story as a as another player. You know, but obviously that very much was dependent on Ed Breeson's story. So I'm wondering what what this is how much that they've kept or i don't i just don't know but uh, i'm very much looking forward to seeing to seeing vengeance writing again
0: is this a case of rewarding the ghost writer readers who it got sort of cut down on its prime there a little bit didn't it the most recent series
2: it certainly did and i think that could very much be the case but but then why is ed breeson's name not on it
0: hmm,
2: maybe more you know, than meets the eye there that one's for you really. Maybe. Mhm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah I could see uh, this Ghost being Rider. popular.
0: Yeah, I could see this being popular Ghost Rider. Um simply because again there were there, not just yourself but there were plenty of people just seemed very very beset by the fact that that series was just stopped just mm. as it was sort of I think you even were said it's the best Ghost Rider's been in years.
2: Yeah, absolutely because it was so strongly based on on that 90s uh on that 90s uh, run, you know. So I've set myself the challenge now of uh Picking up that run, <laughs> those those sixty nine issues, the ones that I don't have.
0: It's always nice to have a little bit of a challenge, you know. Is is out of pure interest? Is there anything you try to go back and collect, Roddy? Yeah, yeah,
1: I've actually set myself a challenge quite oh, recently. Really? Um, lovely regular of the store, uh, Chris, um, actually gave me my first. Uh, well second spectra comic so i'm going to try and collect the john ostrander spectra comic from the 90s i think it's volume four of the spectra so the because um i had the, there's a really cool cover i can't remember the issue um but it's the Spectre looking down and superman's in the foreground but most of it's just the spectra taking up the whole thing and i love having you know comic artwork on my walls and that's mm-hmm. been on my wall for a long time so i was like I'm going to collect this series. And it's DC, so come on. That yes. must be like a, a a notch in the DC column
0: there. Alan. That's always good to hear, so it is. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, I will do my best to help you with that little, uh, little yes. backtracing where I can. Cool, so that was Keith's second pick then for from the October previous book, so that was Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance number one. So it's back to myself now, and Shocker, I know, it's a Batman title, the first of two. So, first up for me this month, um, sorry, first up of those two Batman titles is the return of an anthology series for DC. Uh, It originally kicked off in June 1996 and has sort of come back intermittently every uh, so often. This is called Batman Black and White. And what this is, is an anthology series and the only prerequisite for it is that the story must feature batman and the art must be entirely in black and white so what this tends to do is it tends to attract a lot of the top artists top writers because they can just tell a story in six eight ten pages get some really strong artwork on it and then leave it at that you know it's not a case of writing these long ongoings or anything like that so to give you an idea of the talent involved in this, it's going to be a six-issue mini-series. Uh, this is the number one launching in December. To give you a little rundown of the creative talent already announced, and there are still more to come, you've got stories and art by Paul Dini and Andy Kubert, Scott Snyder and John Romita Jr., Tom Keenan and Mitch Jared's, Emma Rios, John R. and James Harron, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko, J. H. Williams III, G. Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood, Nick Derrington, Sophie Campbell, David Aja, Bill Cui Joshua Williamson and Riley Rosmo, James the Fourth and Trad Moore, Lee Weeks, Chip Sidarsky and Nick Bradshaw, and many more. So it's just a way of the top creators oh. just scratching that Batman creative-ish, you know? You know, there were a few there that definitely caught me by surprise. G. Willow Wilson's an interesting one, did such great work on Miss Marvel for years. Uh, Joshua Williamson writing Batman can only be a good thing. Chips is always interesting as well. Paul Dini back doing some good stuff. So in terms of the first issue, uh, so the iconic anthology series returns with a brand new slate of comics most exciting and innovative storytellers to explore the Batman mythos in stark black and white. In this debut issue, James Tinney Fourth and Trad Moore explore the world of Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins. J.H. Williams III returns to DC Comics for a trip through the Dark Knight's history. Emma Rios explores the external struggle of the Dark Knight. Paul Dini and Andy Kubert pit Batman against an infestation of ninja man bats in the Batcave. G. Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood portray Batman in his strangest standoff ever with Killer Croc. With a lineup this strong and a cover by legendary Batman artist Greg Capullo, you won't want to miss the start of this tremendous collection of Batman tales by some of Comic's top creators. And for all those weird collectors out there as well, there is a tally, a variant cover by Peach Mamoko, just in case you need that. So
1: yeah, she literally is a variant cover for like everything now.
0: I really do think so. I it's I struggle not, to, go not s- to
1: get into it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like every every time I see it, it's like Peachman Mimoku variant.
0: Hardest working artist in comics, you know. Yeah. I, I think you could make a case for. But no, I mean, I, I love main anthology series. I really really enjoyed the recent uh, Detective Ten Twenty Seven. You know, when you've got the creators who are at the top of their game, along with great artists, great writers. You know, you you can't go wrong with that kind of stuff, and that is that is some lineup right there, yeah. to say the least. I
1: think this is this is one I might jump on. I I have um, two. I think I have graphic novels, like two volumes, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I remember them being absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure if I have if that's them all collected, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to jump on this DC one. Greg Smallwood. Kind of feel like I have to know. So yeah.
0: <laughs> There's always one artist or one creator out there that just like is it, just pulls you. So it's in, you know?
1: like a, it's like a sixty pager. Is it?
0: Uh forty-eight pages each time. So it's uh, essentially about the size of an annual, or or yeah. a one shot. So, but yeah, just. You, you, you tend to get plenty of value for that because again it's not just one story you're going through you'll have different takes on on the dark knight and it just as ever and it's it'll always be why batman's my personal favorite character. So i just think the versatility of the character is great and that was something you saw in detective 1027 as well for every dark and noir detective story you have a over-the-top love story between batman and the joker you know by zadarsky infraction you know it's it's just you can approach the character in so many different ways and make it interesting so i'll really look forward to that it was very close to being my uh, my pick of the month but my pick of the month this uh, month, given how long I've waited for it to be announced, was never in question. So, But we'll get on to that in a bit. Uh, yeah, so my third pick then was Batman Black and White number one. Uh, then moving on to Vicky's third pick, this is another graphic novel collection. This is actually one that we collected in graphics. It was an image series running 15 issues. But they're actually doing a hardcover, collecting the entire volume. And this is called Skyward. So, written by Joe Henderson, with art by Lee Garbe and Antonia Fabella. So, one day, gravity on Earth suddenly became a fraction of what it is now. Twenty years later, humanity has adapted to its new low-gravity reality. And to Willa Fowler, a woman born just after G-Day, it's, well, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you can fly through the air. I mean, sure, you can also die if you jump too high. So, you just don't jump too high. And maybe don't get mixed up in your dad's secret plan to bring gravity back, which could get you all killed. Uh, as well as putting the three graphics together, it's also going to feature a brand new epilogue with all new art and story in there as well. So. Oh my God. Skyward was one. You read it, didn't you read it? Yeah,
1: I, I got all the singles. Like, uh, what a, like a charming, charming, beautiful book all about family. And it actually reminds me a little bit of middle west in the, it's the same sort of family dynamic and relationship a little bit um certainly not the same art style but um yeah it's an absolutely gorgeous book and i'm kind of kind of thinking i want it just purely for the epilogue but isn't that uh, an advanced solicitor as well
0: uh or is it december just... Double check. Of course, I had to close the previews book after you'd asked that question. Yeah, <laughs> Roddy loves putting me in these spots. We
1: couldn't uh, couldn't be prepared. It's my fault. Uh,
0: advanced <laughs> solicit, That'll actually be yeah. the start of March, so even further out than your post York. So, damn it, <laughs> damn it, Vicky, and your advanced solicits.
2: Speaking of uh, of things that uh, are far out, uh, we bit of news just announced that uh, Keanu Reeves Berserker has been delayed by four months right Did, was, well, so what happens to their kickstarter was that
0: then? was that a really loud from you there ronnie <laughs> well,
1: it, that it's really interesting like um i wonder what
2: well, i don't know says... I, I think um
1: there's a little bit i do love boom but i think there's a little bit of uh poetic justice there mm. there's a not a fan of the way they were using kickstarter to be honest so
2: uh, it says uh, the publisher attributes the delay to the decision to change artists from the originally announced Alessandro Vitti to longtime Marvel DC artist Ron Garney. Oh, wow. Uh, to facilitate the change and maintain its high production standards, Boom has announced that the in-store date for issue one will change to February 17th, 2021. Uh, reads the message sent out by Alan's favorite, Diamond uh, Comic Distributors. Issue two will now ship in March. Issue three in May in accordance with the title's six weeks publication schedule. Um, so there you are. Sorry so to interrupt. Um what you're, what you're telling me there
0: what you're telling me there is thank you very much, Diamond Comics, the single biggest indie title of this year in terms of pre orders in our store has been delayed by four months. Yeah. Love your work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My work?
0: No, no, I'm talking about Diamonds. <laughs> okay. Oh no, I'm shooting the messenger totally. Yeah, I'll throw you under the bus as well. But uh no, it's a shame <laughs> to hear always. that in a way, but I do wonder if some of that hat see I'm convinced that They signed Kenny Reeves to Boom. They paid a lot of money for it and the pre-orders were not as big as they hoped. They then used Kickstarter to try and guarantee more money for it because you were guaranteed the graphic at the end of that. But even it said you wouldn't receive your Kickstarter until 2022. That's a long time out. So I've had my misgivings about that book for a while, to be honest. And As interested as I am in it and as much faith as I have in Boom, but I've had slight misgivings and you know, it's a shame to hear it delayed, though, I will say. But, oh, uh, ah, well. Sorry, guys out there who are really looking forward to Berserker. Keith just had the burst bubble. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Merry uh, Christmas. But anyway, back to the... <laughs> My goodness, he used the C word in September. (laughs) What is going on? This is a strange podcast tonight. So yeah, so that was Vicky's second pick, which is Skyward, the hardcover collection. And I believe your next pick, Roddy, is also a collection. What have you got for us Yes.
1: I kind of think I need to pass this one back to you guys because I think you've all been reading it. This is Stealth Volume 1, which is coming out in December 9th uh without any diamond uh you know issues like that. But um really looking forward to this one. I remember somebody, I think it was Keith, lent me the first one, and it has the most phenomenal twist ending. Yeah. And it was just yeah. oh it was so good. And then I think um whatever reason I think pandemic sort of put a put a wee stop to it. But, um, yeah, this is created by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri. Uh, Stealth is an action-packed series, perfect for readers who enjoy Black Panther and Iron Man, which I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. that comparison. In yeah. 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 Um, this one collects issues one to six, and it's actually it's a $16.99 comic, so it's not quite the low image price point. But um, it's... It tells the story of uh, Stealth, who for decades has waged war on crime in Detroit, but now he's taken his pursuit of justice too far. Um, Only reporter Tony Barber knows that behind Stealth's reckless behavior is an older man battling Alzheimer's. His father, a father unwilling to accept that he's no longer the hero the city needs, with enemies all too eager to force his retirement. Um, It was a cracking first issue. You guys can tell me more about the rest, Um, but I thought it was a really interesting concept about um, an aging superhero, sort of battling, battling himself and battling Alzheimer's as well. So, and then there's there's... also got a father-son dynamic in there. Yeah, I mean,
2: to some extent, you know. uh... The stealth has an origin and everything, but it really takes a back seat to that story, that father son story. Yeah. Um Really, and that story of 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 an older man refusing to accept his limits, you know, and that. That's um, worth it's worth noting. Although this was created by Kirkman and Silvestri, the writers of this, that was the original. Yes. Um, sorry. You yeah. know, the writers of this, Mike Costa, Nate Belgrade, and Tamra Bonvillain. Um, but yeah, it's continued to be really strong, Roddy. Uh, issue five came out. Uh, I think we're expecting issue six this month,
0: uh, maybe next cool.
2: week. Yep, yes, indeed, um, uh, and that. So, if you if you didn't jump on this at the time for the singles, definitely jump on it for the trade. I totally agree, Roddy. This is just phenomenal story.
1: Also, really intriguing to see that you know it may continue. So, well, will it? Although, it? Well, if it's if they're putting volume one on it, I'd be quite hopeful. There's going to be volume two, but obviously we've seen nothing about a, a number seven or anything. But maybe maybe they're holding out hope. Mm. Okay. But I don't know. I just thought it was intriguing. I know they might sometimes just put volume one, but I, I thought it was intriguing that it put volume one in there. So not like interesting, a complete, complete stealth or something. You know. Yeah, but I mean, it was you... also one. Yeah, Sorry. You,
0: no, no, not at all. You you look at the other trades that are solicited this month, and they're all ongoings that say volume one, volume two, volume three, so forth. So hopefully that holds out hope because yeah, this has been a title i very much enjoyed. Uh, it always goes quite close to the top of the reading pile every time it's out. To be honest.
1: Yeah, um, and I remember Vicky. Vicky was a really big fan of it as well.
2: Uh, Vicky was the Vicky was the instigator actually. I may have lent you the the so issue, that's but always uh, the way. <laughs> but uh, Vicky was the one that had me jumping on it.
1: Ah. <laughs> Nice.
2: Um, yeah, that'll be something to, to definitely
0: look forward to and out just in time for Christmas. No advance solicits here. So, yeah, that's Roddy's third pick, which is Stealth Volume 1. So, finish off the round of the third pick, then, Keith. Something indie from you this time?
2: Yeah, stepping off Marvel, stepping on to Titan uh, for Blade Runner 2029, number one, by Michael Green, Mike Johnson, and uh, Andre Guinaldo. So... Well, the solicit following the dramatic events of the first arc, Blade Runner twenty twenty nine sees an emotionally changed Ash back with the LAPD's Blade Runner division, and once again on the streets hunting renegade replicants. Uh, she finds her loyalties and humanity challenged by two replicants: one offering her salvation, the other deadly damnation. So, uh, Titan Comics uh, obviously have been have been running uh, the twelve issue Blade Runner twenty nineteen. Uh, and this this is effectively just a new era, a new volume of Blade Runner. So it it it, it follows it. that that first arc, that first arc in, in 2019 has finished, but that arc has taken us right up to 2026, I think. So the next, the logical step is it's no longer Blade Runner 2019. So we're jumping on here to Blade Runner 2029, um, which I guess will also maybe be, be 12 issues, but it's listed as, a, as an ongoing. And it's just literally a transition from Blade Runner 2019 to Blade Runner 2029. So the rebranded series continues the story of um, the LAPD's most lethal Blade Runner, uh, Detective uh, Anna Ash Ashina. And uh, the series, you know, it features the the return of the creative team of co-writers Michael Green, who's the screenwriter from Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Mike Johnson, who's a writer on Supergirl and Star Trek, and Andre Guinaldo, Justice League Dark, and um, Mark Olesco, who's the colorist uh, who was uh, on Doctor Who. So the series editor, David Leach, says that both fans, old and new, will be excited about the direction of the Blade Runner franchise, Uh, in this comic book adaption. Um, In this area of the Blade Runner comic, we see Ash become more human, which I think is fascinating, Uh, he reveals in the official announcement. The initial idea of this killing machine, he says, referring to Ash, the Blade Runner, learning humility and humanity from a bioengineered individual is amazing. Um, uh, There will be a variant cover by Peach Momoko um, and also by John Wick artist Giovanni Valletta and Blade Runner concept artist Sid Mead. Um, so this, I mean, uh, we we talked earlier on a wee bit about Firefly and and how I reckon it is just a fantastic use of a license. This is also a fantastic use of a license. I mean, uh, the the world of, of Blade Runner as as defined in that original movie, and you know further further expanded and in, in, uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, just what they're doing that the feel and the tone. Of this book throughout Blade Runner 2019, which is set, I think, before Deckard, um, it's just it's absolutely phenomenal. It just it feels like Blade Runner, and the the original story the original series took us from Los Angeles uh, out into the out into the ruins beyond it, and then up into space to the Outer Colonies, um, you know, and this then has us sort of back on back on the ground and in, uh, in LA of 2029. So I just, if nothing else, I'm just really looking forward to seeing those visuals. But Ash is a fantastic character, uh, a really um, a really interesting character as a as a lead in this. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how she's changed. You know, in the 10 years, uh, you know, between the start of 2019 and, and 2029. So very very good stuff, very good stuff. So uh, any you guys on this or. Uh, no
1: but no. it's something i really want to be actually um blade runner is something i absolutely adore but i just don't know why i never really picked up those ones i might try and maybe get a wee graphic novel run down the line yeah i mean
2: i'd say i'd say uh they'll probably solicit i don't know alan um are yeah, there any I mean, the, for, the, for 2019 trades
0: yeah the first two trades are already available and i see with uh of course, when I turned the previous book to Titan Comics, of course, the first thing I saw was that Peach Momogo cover. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it sort of says at the bottom there, Offered Again, Blade Runner 2019, Volume 1 and 2. And they're also soliciting, although slightly late, unfortunately, they're soliciting Volume 3, which is called Home Again, Home Again. It is an early solicit, though. It's not going to be out until February 3rd.
2: Well, um, I mean, the, the the Blade Runner book's not finished yet. The 2019 book's not finished yet. So, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's finished in November. So we I book? would I would if I were you, Roddy, I would maybe pick up the first two or three of this and then uh and then grab the uh grab the trades. Okay. I mean it's your wallet obviously, it's not for me to tell you, but, uh,
1: <laughs> No no, if you say I'll whatever you say I'll do. We have that on
2: that's uh how it works. we have that
0: on record, Keith, so let's see what we can <laughs> actually get him to do. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a good played... reason. That's Blade Runner 2029 number one. I should say at this point, just to clarify as well, that if you are already getting Blade Runner 2019 with us, that we will transfer the order over straight away to 2029. Something like this for me is still an ongoing, it's still sequential. So we would move that across. So if it's a case of, you're happy with just 2019 just let us know and that's fine we'll cancel it but we don't like the idea of people missing out and titan comics tend to be slightly smaller print runs as well so we would rather carry it over for you as we basically see it as still the the continuing
2: you know ongoing story so and i mean i think i think as well if you haven't been well that's one of the reasons i highlighted it alan because i i know i know that's what you do and therefore just wanted to to highlight it to make sure people weren't confused they weren't expecting 2019 to continue to come out whenever 2029 20, was launched but also i think this could be a good jumping on point uh... you know for the for the teal
0: and then again a good example of if you do jump on and enjoy this you can then obviously go back and, and get those previous trades as well but, but yeah, you'd expect this to stand on its own two feet as well as a story so uh... cool so Blade Runner 2029 number one for keith so we're getting down to sort of the the biggest picks i suppose of the month this was another one for me, Nick's, that was almost my pick of the month, and it really did come within a, a hair's breadth of being my pick of the month. And that's for the very simple reason that something we all agree on pulp was one of the stories of this year thoroughly amazing indie graphic oh, yes. novel from Image Comics. And that came from the team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Phillips, two guys who have worked together for years, know each other's work inside and out through Criminal, through The Fade Out, through Fatal. Through Killer Be Killed, the aforementioned pulp. And now I'm delighted to say that coming out in December, December 16th no less, this is Reckless, which again is gonna be an original graphic novel. This seems to be the way these guys are going. Now they did have Criminal as a bit of an ongoing there for a while. But they released My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies and then Pulp. And they seem to be doing these lovely hard covers straight to graphic novel. So with this one, with Pulp, what was great about it was, well, there were many great things about it. But what I really enjoyed about it was the time frame that it took place in. So you had the Old West, but you also had sort of around World War II in America. This one's actually jumping to the 1980s. So again, it's shown a bit of versatility with these guys. They don't always stick to the same eras. So... Sex, drugs and murder in the 1980s Los Angeles and the best new twist on paperback pulp hero since The Punisher. Them's big words. Uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the modern masters of crime noir, bring us the last thing anybody expected from them. A good guy. A bold new series of original graphic novels with three books releasing over the next year, each a full-length story that stands on its own. So this is the first of a trilogy. Meet Ethan Reckless. Your trouble is his business for the right price. But when a fugitive from his radical student days reaches out for help, Ethan must face the only thing he fears, his past. So they're already giving you a slightly early solicit there as well, or at least a preview. That book two in the Reckless series is going to be April 2021 as well. It also says that it's for fans of things like Parker or Jack Reacher as well. So preview pages, as ever, are absolutely stunning. They, I, I always adore Sean Phillips' work anyway. But this this has a different look to it. I have to say, sort of sun-drenched vistas, and then it goes from that into the inside of this large barn, and then it's pure horror. This will be awesome. I mean, we we push pulp all the time in the store, and I promise we don't work on commission for pulp. We just think it's that damn good. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think this will be one that will be going on plenty of people's pull lists just on the strength of pulp. Uh, again, it was mm-hmm. 144 pages. This is going to be great.
2: This 144 pages—that is bigger than pulp. Yep, pulp was 96, I think. Yeah, uh huh. It's a it's it's a chunky a chunky piece of kit. Yeah, just
0: beautiful stuff. And then it's also Jacob Phillips, uh, Sean Phillips' son, who works on that Texas Blood. He is also the inker, I think, for Sean Phillips' inker and colorist. So it's a it's a real family book, I suppose you would say as well. But yeah, the, this for me is already the you know top of the pile. This is going to be. Fantastic, if Pulp is anything to go by. And these guys are guys I've been following for years anyway. So the very epitome of following creators rather than titles, to be honest. So yeah, keep an eye for that one, guys. That is Reckless, which is an original graphic novel. Going to be part one of three. And that comes out in December 18th. So yeah, that is my fourth pick. When it comes to Vicky's fourth pick, we're back to AWA Studio. So once again, with uh, the new kids on the block here. So erratic number one. This is going to be a five-issue mini-series. It's written and drawn by Carey Andrews and colored by Bran Ribber. You're fifteen years old. You're suddenly granted incredible powers. Cool, right? There's only one problem. You can only use your powers for 10 minutes at a time. What do you do when you have to save the world but you only have 10 minutes to do it? This is the problem f- faced by Oliver Leaf, a teenager who has just moved to a new town and a new school and is having a hard enough time navigating classes and his crush before the interdimensional monsters started showing up. So again, this, by the sounds of it, has uh, an all-ages feel to it as well, which again is not something that I massively attributed to AWA Studios thus far, so they're definitely branching out with what they're doing. I mean, you turn the page for the AWA solicits and you've got Year Zero Volume 2, American Runin', Grendel Kentucky, Bad Mother, and they're all mature. Whereas Erratic is down as teen, and Bite Size that I mentioned earlier is down as all ages as well, so it's good to see them expanding out into that sort of larger market as well. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Vicky's fourth pick, which is Erratic number 1 from AWH Studios. Uh, what have you got next, Roddy?
1: Nice. Um, well, I've got something a little bit different. So, you know, still, this is still kind of going with the indie sort of uh, aesthetic, but this is something completely different for me. Um, this is by Clover Press, and I actually have quite quite a tie together for you alan um this is an art book by aaron wiesenfeld um and he is a painter an oil painter charcoal painter watercolor painter he does this amazing artwork of um, sort of eerie images eerie and haunting images but with little twinges of hope in them they look phenomenal like blown up panels of a comic book page, but you might actually recognize them, Alan. Okay. If you if you were to look at what is your favorite comic book series of all time?
0: Why The Last Man? Mm-hmm. Do you have all the single issues? I do have all the single issues.
1: Yes. This uh, Aaron Wiesenfeld used to be a comic book artist. He's done stuff. He actually did stuff for Batman Black and White, I believe. Uh, that's some some link, and he also there's a couple of covers he did for Why the Last Man. There was one that was looking at, I think it's issue twenty one. So if you if you have the time, go hunt that out. And um, but yeah, this is going to be a ten um, a ten by ten full color art book, and something I just thought. Do you know the best part about coming into the store sometimes is just. Picking up that previous book and having a good look through it and seeing seeing what's there and all the like the smaller presses and all all the different stuff that's in there because you know sometimes it's not just comics there's sometimes there's books sometimes there's art books sometimes there's all this good stuff so this this really took my eye just because I love I love art and it really just um, it really intrigued me looking at his like sort of melancholy isolated. Um, landscapes um yeah I just really dug it and there was something something I really look forward to I want to check out because he's been working since 2000 he there was there's another book called The Well and Traveller sort of um uh, encompasses his work from 2014 to now so yeah I'm really looking forward to it and I think it's I don't think it is an advanced solicit, but I do know it's actually on Kickstarter at the moment. so I might check that out too. but um, yeah, um probably not for everyone, I would just say, but that's the beauty of comics, and I just love I just love that feeling of discovery and finding something that you know that you really dig, you know. So yeah, I just thought I'd share.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to appeal to Keith. It's ten inches by ten inches in size, so <laughs> it, it it's stupid size. I'm not sure about this. Yeah, but... well, it could
2: it could be a coffee table book. <laughs> yeah, an art book. An art book's a different kettle of fish than a comic, Alan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's solicited here. It says it's for a 16th of December release date, so it nice. does. So they say Aaron Weisenfeld, a former Wildstorm and Marvel artist. Has been creating works of fine art since the early 2000s and this is a collection of those pieces yeah i looked back at some of the why the last man covers there he seemed to do a lot around volume four sort of yeah, issues 16 yeah. and 17 onwards and i remember seeing those covers and thinking they did look quite different to what had come before it so uh so there you go so i probably yeah. already own half that book already yeah he had a great
1: story i was reading an interview with him he was he was telling um I think it was the Hollywood Reporter were interviewing him and he said that he he was very scared. He was at a convention and he was like desperate to go up to Neil Adams and show him like his art. But he was like, oh, I don't know. He'll say it sucks or whatever. And then his friend like told him to go up and was like, okay you're doing this and then he went up to neil adams and i think neil adams told him to you know go away and come back and do a bit more and then he gave him his first gig in the comic industry so i thought that was pretty pretty nifty but yeah um definitely definitely worth checking out if you're into that sort of thing
0: yeah cool sounds like a a slightly different solicit but uh a very interesting sounding one that is travelers the hardcover I Aaron Weisenfeld, and that is Roddy's fourth pick. Uh, what about yourself, Keith? Pick four, last pick before we get to picks of the
2: month. Uh, and I'm heading into the DC universe for this one. Uh, just uh, I thought it would be uh, it would be good manners uh, just to, <laughs> to to fire something from DC up on the board. Um, so this is another odd one in the same way that uh, in the same way that uh, Ghost Rider: The uh, Return of Vengeance was an odd one because. I think this is kind of something that has been retooled and, uh, and resolicited, So this is generation shattered. Number one. So one shot uh, by Dan Juergens, Robert Vendetti and Andy Schmidt with art by Ivan race, Brian Hitch, Kevin Nolan, Aaron, the press uh, Fernando Passeran, Paul Pelletier, and a bunch of others. And the solicitor says, a threat of cosmic proportion to DC's newest and oldest universe compels one of the most unusual groups of heroes ever assembled to take on the most mysterious foe they have ever encountered. Join the original Batman, uh, Commandee, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Steel, and Sinestro, Sinestro's mentioned there twice, that's interesting, in their quest to save the universe before time runs out. So... This story follows on from uh, one of the stories in Detective Comics uh, 1027, which was Generations Fractured, was the story by by Dan Jurgens. And uh, in that story, the original Batman of 1939, who first appeared in Detective Comics 27, uh, ended up, it was like a museum heist. The Calendar Man was undertaken, and there was a, was a, a whole lot of back and forth and went on anyway and uh towards the end commandy the uh, future cave boy appeared and uh and told batman of 1939 that you know there was something he needed his help with and, and off they went um so so that was that I, I this is a continuation of that and to me i don't know Is this is this what this DC Generations G five thing was supposed to be? And they've sort of
0: yeah, you do have to wonder. I mean, it is a one shot. It you know, I when I first saw this solicited, I wondered if it was going to be sort of one of five because I think originally DC had set up to do Generation Zero on Free Comic Book Day, and then that was going to lead to Generation One, Generation Two, the. The sort of scuttlebutt around the industry at that time was that DC were getting ready for some sort of reboot, which was going to be called Fifth Generation or the horrible moniker Five G, and it was going G5, to be Five G. Yeah, and it never happened. It was it was apparently the brainchild of Dan DeDio, and then obviously there was some changes in DC Comics, and Dan DeDio left. We don't know whether he left of his own accord or he left before he was pushed, but the the generation stuff just seemed to go away and. To be honest, with all the free comic book day stuff that ended up coming out, you know they made it sort of a summer event and new new issues every week. There wasn't really a DC one that came out as a result, and we were sort of left in a little bit of limbo with it. And that's one of the reasons I wonder what the future holds for the for the company. But they obviously saw something story wise, or maybe it was just a case of they had to pay off. Maybe Detective Ten Twenty Seven was that far along with that story in there that they had to do something to pay it and off. And there was uh, was
2: there not a. Was there not a like a, a, a prelude and Wonder Woman as well at some point? Uh, uh, there was a there was a Generations prelude that appeared in uh, as far as I understand it in an early uh, it was a Wonder Woman. It was it Wonder Woman seven fifth, One of the one of the one of the big anniversary Wonder Wonder Woman issues? Wonder Woman seven fifty. It was a Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch story. Okay. Um, it was considered a prelude to the to that event in its original form. Um from what i understand but but yeah i mean this this could it be that this is a one shot called generation shattered next month they'll release another one shot called generation something else yeah
0: that's, that's you know definitely
2: a possibility i mean there's there's a hell of a lot of talent involved in it in there it really is, yeah you know it's, and uh, some top you know, artists it, as well definitely i mean it's and you know there's the they mentioned the original batman you know, and the, obviously the the Batman that was in that Detectives 1027 for it the story with, there was the, the original Bill Finger and Bob Kane Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, as he was. But whenever they say the original Batman, it's no more it's almost like they're saying that that, that Batman is not. Yeah, no in longer the same, exists. Yeah. Yeah, is not in the same continuity as you know, as our Batman. You know, it's it's a weird one anyway, but but I don't know, but this this is this would seem to be it anyway. It's an eighty page one shot um you know at that at that higher price point. Um but uh yeah I just thought it was I just thought it was really interesting. I really enjoyed that story in uh, in, uh Detective Comics 1027. Dan Jurgens is a fantastic writer. Batman Beyond when his work on it will be missed until it turns up again. Um but uh but yeah so it I just this this really stuck out to me amongst all the Endless Winter and uh one shots from Dark Night's Death Metal and from Tales of the Dark Multiverse. So, um. Yeah, there's definitely something a
0: bit more old school about it, isn't it? You mm. know, obviously with that original Batman, but also characters that maybe you don't see quite so much, you know, Commandy and Steel, Sinestro, so good they named him twice according to that uh, <laughs> little preview text. Booster Gold, you know, obviously was a part of... Heroes in Crisis, I think, and a little bit of the Batman run from Tom Keen. But other than that, it's a character you don't see much. So there's a little hint of maybe classic DC here, even the fact that it's Dan Jurgens, you know, and Brian Hitch is involved and Kevin Nolan and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be picking this up. Similar to you, it was I really enjoyed Detective 1027, and that was a story that caught my eye and mm-hmm. i i do like that original design of batman with the purple gloves and the slightly pointier ears it's and the big big long ears yeah <laughs> and i would imagine this batman is just very much just a straightforward detective you know there'll be none of the bells and whistles of being part of the justice league and having a plan for everything and you know this might be a more simple take on the character so yeah i'll definitely be all over this you know you know i love me a one shot so Uh, Yeah, cool, so Generations Shattered number one, and keep those eyes peeled to see if it does get followed up with another one shot, but in the meantime just that one coming, and it's actually coming out on the 5th of January, so it'll be uh, the start of next year for that one. Cool, Mm -hmm. so that is 4 picks each then, so we now come down to each of our pick of the month, so essentially if there's only one title you can pick up this month, this is what we recommend the most. Now, when it comes to me, I've layered clues already throughout this previous podcast of what mine is. It's a title I've looked forward to for well over a year at this point. It's a title that is very special for us in the store based on having the artist for an in-store signing last year, almost a year ago, actually. Uh, it was October 25th last year. But ah, team I, I don't really need to sell this one because after Keith said about the breaking news for... Uh, the breaking news about Berserker, I jumped on the Twitter quickly, and the top tweet that I saw was from the very artist who is doing this book. And the tweet reads, I don't want to sound too cocky, but this Batman and Catwoman comic we are making is way better than Venom and Watchmen. So I, <laughs> I don't need to sell it. Uh, so obviously this is a little, bit of a, uh, a little bit of a wink and a nod to Donny Cates and his Venom run. He very famously said his Venom run was better than Watchmen. That got the attention of Dave Gibbons, who ended up doing a variant cover for Venom. And this is him obviously just having a little bit of fun with that, saying it's better than Venom and Watchmen. And interestingly enough, Donny Cates has already replied to it with that little sort of, really, really? emoji. So there's there's definitely a little bit of fun there, a little bit of uh, friendly rivalry. So. So yeah, so the title I'm most looking forward to this month is Batman Catwoman One. So this is going to be a twelve issue mini series. So this is essentially the continuation of Tom King's Batman run. Now Tinian has been doing a thoroughly brilliant job of following on from Tom King, and he's also incorporated loads of Tom King's story threads into his run. But this is seen as sort of the the truest um, the truest end to Tom King's work. There was a lot of controversy at the time. He was originally supposed to do 100 issues and then it got cut to 85, but then he was going to do this as well. And then the art for this is by Clay Mann. So thoroughly wonderful guy. As I say, he was in the store last year. We had a QA and a session signing. Thoroughly, thoroughly lo- lovely bloke and also incredibly talented. And one of the stories he told us last year was regarding Batcat in that He said when him and Tom Keane were chatting about it, they really thought they had something special. Like this was, you know, this could be a story down the line that people could look at the way they look at Hush or the way they look at it, Dark Knight Returns or Year One. And the original plan was going to be Clay was going to draw eight of the 12 issues and they would have some fill-in artists so they wouldn't miss any of the, the deadlines. But because they thought they had something special on their hands, Clay went to DC along with along with Tom King and asked if he could draw the whole thing. If they could maybe just push it back a little bit, and he would draw the whole thing. Now they've definitely pushed it back a bit. Uh, this was originally going to be at the start of the year, but good things come to those who wait. And you'll be delighted to know, Keith, this is a Black Label title, but it is a regularly sized Black Label title. Nice one, Tom King. Yes, indeed. Playman. So. Yeah, really, really looking forward to this. So excited to see it in the solicitation books. And this is going to be 12 issues, and it features the comics debut of Phantasm. Now, if you don't know who Phantasm is, first of all, why do you not know who Phantasm is? Second of all, go back and watch Batman the Animated Series and the brilliant movie spin-off from it, which is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And this is the first time this character is going to be introduced into DC Comics canon. So to give you the little breakdown for this, so at last, Tom Keane returns to the rocky romantic saga of Batman and Catwoman with his Heroes in Crisis collaborator, superstar artist Clayman. Echoing plot points from Keane's epic Batman run, this sweeping tale is told across three timelines. The past, when the bat, bat and the cat first fell in love. The present, where their union is threatened by one of Batman's lost loves. And the future, where the couple have a happy life and legacy, including their daughter, Helena, the Batwoman. And as the story begins, after a long marriage, Bruce Wayne passes away, which frees Selina Kyle to settle an old score. At every stage of their relationship, Bruce and Selina have an unwelcome chaperone, the Joker. Oh, and that lost love of Bruce's—it's Andrea Beaumont, a- Andrea Beaumont, aka Phantasm. Just thought you'd want to know.
2: <laughs> this
0: sounds effing brilliant Uh, this is right up my alley this is continuing on from a wonderful batman annual that tom Keane wrote as well which showed an older bruce and selena together many years later uh, which really tugged at the heartstrings i am so pumped for this i have been looking forward to this for ages the way vicky would look at the previews book every month hoping saga was in there i would look at the dc one every month and be like when is this being announced and it is finally going to be here uh Clay's doing the main cover for it. There's going to be a couple of variants, one by Jim Lee and Scott Williams and one by Travis Charest as well. Uh, There will be a blank variant cover as well, which I may just have to get and send over to Clay and get him to do a wee commission for me, uh, whether he likes it or not at this point. So (laughs) I think this is going to be huge. Really looking forward to it. I love the Maxi series uh, format. I love the 12-issue format. I love that they took their time to release this. I hope that it's going to be mm-hmm. similar to Three Jokers in that monthly like clockwork, here it comes, here it comes, as ever we say it, Doomsday Clock. We're looking at you. So I'm guessing I'm not the only one out of the three of us that are going to be jumping onto this.
2: Oh, straight away, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Have been, have been looking forward to it for for a long time. There's no denying Tom King's run on on Batman. You know that was it was just fantastic. As you say, there was a wee bit of. Controversy around you know the 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 drop and you know the change in the the actual run on the actual Batman title and, and hopping onto this, but uh, yeah, I mean you you can see the sense in it now, really, can't you? Yeah, very awesome. Um, and uh, absolutely very very pleased to to see that that Clayman will be drawing the whole thing. That so that that makes it worth the wait because mm-hmm. you know this sort of a book, you know this anticipated like this. And, and and seeing filling artists on it would just have been cheap. Yeah, it, you would,
0: know? it would be a bit of a waste. I mean, the the one I always go back to is No Justice, which was four issues. Scott Snyder was linking together the end of Metal and, and the start of his Justice League run. And three of the issues were drawn by Francis Manipal. And issue three was drawn, drawn by Riley Rossmo. Now, I really like Riley Rossmo's style, but it's very different to Francis Manipul. It just pulls you out of the story, I find. You know, if you've got that consistency with artist and with writer, it just reads so beautifully. That's why I think we're all such a fan of indie books because they all tend to be creator-owned. So you have the same artists through it as, as well as the writers. So, yeah, really delighted they took their time with this. Really delighted that it has now been solicited at long last. Uh, cheers, Clay. It only took a year after being in the store. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a big one, guys. So definitely jump on that. Uh, I like to think as well... With the being 12 issues, I think there'll certainly be little wrap-up beats at the start that'll certainly fill in people, fill in the blanks, so they can jump on this as well. But as you say, Keith, this this worked out beautifully in a way because we, we started to get this great Tinian run. We got people onto Batman at issue 86, and it's bigger now than it's ever been. And then the people who were fans of the, the Keen run now get this you know, epilogue, essentially, to that story. Yeah. So, So although there was a bit of controversy and a bit of annoyance, certainly for myself at the time you know it, and hopefully it'll have been worth the wait and we'll really really look forward to that so every time
1: to be a batman fan
0: every time's a good time to be a batman fan <laughs> batman is dc's cash cow and don't they know it and everybody wants to write it and everyone wants to draw it so it's, it's it's the same with spider-man you know everyone wants to write and draw spidey at some point in their career everyone wants to write and draw batman at some point i think so uh yeah so there's my second Batman recommendation of the month. At least it wasn't three. Uh,
2: so yeah, worth the wait. Worth the wait. Worth the wait.
0: So Batman Catwoman number one. That is my pick of the month. Now, when it comes to Vicky's pick of the month, I'm delighted to say it is also DC. I know what. I know it's <laughs> it's taken me a number of years, but I finally have started. Was, the... it,
1: was it really Vicky's pick or? I, I swear she's it... not here to.
0: I to think. Clarify, you know. Really, I think I might just have to get her over here, just to back <laughs> me up here. No, she shake. No, no. If you shake your head, then that makes me look guilty.
2: This- That's all right. I spoke. To, I spoke to. I spoke to Vicky earlier on in the week, and, uh, yeah. and she was. Uh, she was very, uh, very excited about this particular title, uh-huh. and, and amused by the fact she had uh, selected a DC title.
0: I'm not being believed that you chose DC for your pick of the month. But it's okay, I've got Keith to back me up. So, uh, so yeah, so this was Vicky's pick of the month. So, this is actually a one shot again. This is a special on a character maybe not a lot of people are too familiar with. This is a Ginny Hex special, number one. And Ginny Hex, this is going to be her first ever solo adventure. Uh, so, it's a character who has been, who's going to be bursting out of the pages of Young Justice. So this fan-favorite gal is heading back home to take care of some unfinished business. Hoping to take some time off from multiverse conflict, Ginny reconnects with some old friends and family. But all that goes out the window when a new foe called Three-Eyed Jack transports her town back to the Old West. Now it's up to Ginny to face off with this super-powered gunslinger and save her town. But Ginny's about to learn that some threats are closer to her heart than expected. So I would imagine Keith will be all over this given he's a fan of the big old western. And that's exactly
2: what this sounds like. It it does, but uh, I don't know an awful lot of Jonah Hex and I'd never heard of Jenny Hex. Um so I didn't I didn't really I didn't really jump on it I have to say.
0: So far. Uh that's so far. okay.
2: Vicky'll wear you down over the next month.
0: So <laughs> I should say this is written by Magdalene Visagio and art by Gleb Melnikov, which are not two um creators I'm too familiar with, but it does sport also a rather beautiful Nick Derrington cover. Uh, So I'll certainly pick it up. You know, I I can't have Vicky recommending a DC title and then I don't read it. I don't think I should be recommending any more DC titles. So, yep, that's her final one, the pick of the month and the one she is most looking forward to. That is the Ginny Hex special number one. Uh, So what about yourself then, Roddy? What is your pick of the month?
1: So I'm going to continue and make it a complete indie clean sweep for me, so no blue or red on the board, all yellow. So this one is Post Americana, number one, which is coming on the 2nd of December, and it is the first of a six-issue miniseries uh, written by Steve Scross. and we've also got Steve Stewart, on sharing art duties with Steve Scrooge as well. Um, if you don't know, Steve Scrooge is the creator of Maestros and he also is a co-creator of We Stand on Guard with uh, Brian K. Vaughan, which is a phenomenal book about uh, Canadians trying to fight back the technologically superior American forces set 100 years in the future. It is uh awesome
2: Steve Scross was also on spider-man for a long time and mm-hmm. uh, he was on x-man after Age of apocalypse and he was so he, he was he was a fairly well-known yeah. uh, Marvel artist for a long time
1: oh cool so he was yes. and it's he also the... I believe he also did some matrix the matrix storyboards I can't remember if it's the first film or um uh one of the the other two sequels yeah but yeah um see when I look at his art I just think comic books there's something about his work that just there's something really kind of old school about it but it's also you know beautiful at the same time it reminded me of um I don't know what it says in the previews book actually but it reminds me a bit of Little Bird the art and that by Ian Bertram. And it also kind of, we were talking about James Stokoe earlier. It's that kind of, that kind of vibe it's going for. So I'm really excited for this. Obviously with the title called post Americana, you kind of, kind of maybe know what's going on. Um, So I'll read you the blurb. The Cheyenne mountain installation, aka the bubble, is the most sophisticated super bunker in the world. It was built to ensure the survival of America's executive branch of government and its most important citizens should the unthinkable happen. When the world ended, the executive branch failed to reach the sanctuary, but the elite citizenry did. Eight years later, one of their own has named himself the new president of the U.S. His plan? Subju- subjugate the survivors of the American wasteland using the same bunker resources meant to rebuild it. The only thing standing in their way is a deadly wasteland girl, hell-bent on revenge. So um, this one this one was a, the big one in the previous book. It was the sort of one imager kind of banking on. There was a lot of preview art in it. It was a good four pages so i'm i'm really excited for this so i just think it looks just looks like one of those that you kind of need to pick up it's only a six issue mini series it's got this beautiful artwork in it and uh, you know kind of gives me i think there'll be a little uh world history lesson and um i think it would actually kind of gives me undiscovered country vibes
2: i thought the same already i thought uh whenever i saw it obviously i jumped on it it's post apocalyptic goodness uh mm-hmm. so so i'm there um but yeah i thought the same there was a wee bit of an undiscovered country thing going on i'd say there's gonna be a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a, a political uh, narrative there as well uh i would imagine um so it'll be interesting to see we'll uh after
1: the election what happens mm-hmm. so yeah this will be after um yeah really looking forward to it i can't um i just love uh just the art when i look at that art it gives me i don't know it gives me a nice feeling to look at it's it doesn't look like anything else really that those kind of artists and it you know it takes you back to a sort of different time in comics so yeah really looking forward to it
0: yeah well, i think two things to note uh with the previous book it it solicits, solicits it as Mad Max Fury Road meets Snowpiercer. Those are two uh, touchstones of quality wow. there. And another okay. thing worth mentioning is in the preview art, I'm sure you probably, maybe you didn't notice it, I don't know, but there's a preview page which is showing off these people watching a movie. And it's a superhero, big, chunky, brutal, jumping off a rooftop. And he says, I'm the goddamn night terror, which is clearly <laughs> an, a nod at Frank Miller's All Star Batman and Robin where he was the goddamn Batman. And, <laughs> and then they're sitting watching this movie, and you can just hear them say, superheroes, probably the greatest American art form. So uh, definitely a love letter to comic books as well with this one. But yeah, I'm, on, I'm totally on your side, Roddy. This looks awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Big fan of We Stand on Guard. It's uh, That was a, that was more of a situation of following the writer, because I wasn't too familiar with Steve Scrooge's mm-hmm. work quite so much, but I'll definitely be following him to this. So... Six issue mini series, as you say, kicks off December second, and that is post Americana, so definitely one to look forward to. Uh, cool. Well, that is everyone except from Keith's last pick, which, as much as I have my excitement for Batcat, I would say your pick is probably probably going to be the biggest title of December. I would say.
2: I I would say you're you're probably right there, and uh, sort of it adds a wee bit more uh wee bit more value to to Clay's uh, to Clay's tweet there. Um, whenever you realize that uh, the cat is going up against uh, a heartwarming uh, Christmas crossover from Marvel's uh, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman in King and Black, number one of five. Uh, and in true Christmas style, Darkness Reigns. After a campaign across the galaxy, Null's death march arrives on Earth, and worse yet, he hasn't come alone. With an army of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons at his command, the King in Black is a force unlike any of Earth's heroes have ever faced. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, has seen firsthand the chaos that even one of Null's symbiotic monsters can wreak. Will he survive an encounter with the God of the Abyss himself? From Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, Frank Martin, and uh, VCs Clayton Cowles comes a definitive chapter in their two-year-long Venom saga that has changed everything you thought you knew about symbiotes, King and Black. So here we have the, uh, I guess it's the the pinnacle uh, of, of, of Cates and Stegman's uh, absolutely seminal run on Venom, uh, through the absolute carnage um, event uh, last year, uh, obviously what has been teased is the arrival of of the symbiote God Null, uh, you know, and that is almost at hand. It's been teased through through Venom and and through a variety of other uh, Venom and non Venom related titles. He's going to be backed by an army of symbiotic monsters and you know as, as it says it poses a threat unlike anything the marvel universe has ever seen um kate's and stigman have just totally reshaped the venom mythos you know and they've they've added to it they've they've um they've built on it built on what was there and i just this is going to be this is going to be phenomenal It just the the if this follows the the plan of 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 absolute carnage which is the the core the core story you know and um, and a variety of other tie ins and, and one shots that that add value then then i'm I'm right there but um you know we know that we know that obviously this is kicking off in the in the pages of, of venom and uh, we're both on venom we're all on venom are we I know I am nope <laughs> no. sorry seems I fair should... seems fair <laughs>
1: I, know, I know i know i should be I, I think it's it started um started before uh i came in the coffee and heroes
2: didn't it uh 2018 i believe uh-huh. it kicked off in uh
0: we would have been open but yeah, not open a long maybe. time
2: um yeah so i mean this is this has been teased for for a long long time uh donny Cates did a recent video interview as part of a part of an online uh, an online festival. And he said, as far as event books go, this is the coolest, darkest, most heavy metal, Cthulhu dark horror thing I've ever been able to do. I still can't believe Marvel is letting us go as dark and scary as we're going. <laughs> so that's just, that's just class. It's almost like, it's almost like Donny Cates and Scott Snyder are just competing for the most metal. Well, I say Donny Cates and Scott Snyder, but we need to throw Jason Aaron in there as well you know uh for the for the for the 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 metal competition in comics so obviously i mean the pages of venom then we've got this uh five issue mini series which will be the the core of it all but uh but venom won't be facing null alone uh and apparently his unrelenting darkness will enshroud every corner of the marvel universe in various titles debuting and debuting in december so uh tie-ins, uh tie-in titles and new titles showcasing this unrelenting darkness. Uh we've got Bruce Banner is gonna be fighting through a planet of symbiotes in King and Black and Mortal Hulk by R. Ewing and uh and Aaron Kuder. Uh Christopher Cantwell and Salvador la roca will celebrate Nulmus with a twisted jewel tile tale of unlikely allies in King and Black, Iron Man and Doctor Doom and uh, obviously, Christopher Cantwell has made himself the go-to guy for for metal-armored Marvel characters, uh, in Iron <laughs> Man and Doctor <laughs> Doom, and uh, he's uh, bringing, quite the niche. Yeah, yeah. And he's bringing them together in a Christmas one-shot. And um, um, Kurt Busiek, uh, Ben Dewey, uh Jonas Sharp are on uh, King and Black uh, Namor. Uh, I think there's going to be, you know, that, so that'll that'll explore Null's chilling connection to Atlantis. There's going to be tie in title tie ins and all going titles like Spider Woman uh, number seven and the new Black Cat by by Jed McKay. Uh, obviously, Venom itself. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces in there as well. Um, Alan, isn't there? Yeah, uh, you've got the
0: Keenan Black Handbook, uh, which is going to be part of it. Atlantis Attacks number five is going to tie in. An interesting tie in we definitely found was uh, The Union. Number one.
2: Yes, weirdly, it was one that was solicited uh, for as part of Empire, and this is a, this is the, uh, the 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 team from the, the British Isles uh, from the UK, um, and uh, uh, we bit we controversial uh, in various quarters, but uh, it was solicited for 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 Empire, uh, disappeared, and has now reappeared as a part of King and Black obviously something else that has been retooled as a result of covid and uh, and is is going ahead and also uh the current uh spider-man uh symbiote spider-man is yeah it kicks like, yeah, well? off
0: in november so it's almost like a prelude event a little bit as yeah well. yeah yeah
2: so uh so yeah so there's there's a lot going on i mean it really is i think december really will be the month of of king and black you know it's uh the, these guys have been building up to this for some time, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz around it. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, whenever you mention Cthulhu, dark horror, I mean, that's that's me gone, and and Roddy's probably just going to jump on because of that, you know. So uh... Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of catching
0: up. Well, Roddy, you said you were looking for an event to get into, so we may have just found it for you.
1: Here we go. I'm really intrigued by that uh, Nam- Namor one.
2: Yeah, even
1: yeah. even if I don't get that, um, yeah, I probably will. Probably just gonna have to message the Coffee and Heroes page after and be like, put me down for it.
2: Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, it's it's <laughs> the the previews catalog this this month has got a preview from some preview pages of uh, of issue one, and Ryan Stegman is just doing his his best work. Like, it's absolutely phenomenal. Just this this great scene of Eddie. Sort of leaping off a, a building in New York, and as he leaps, the symbiote enshrouds him. You know, and uh, where Eddie leaps off, uh, Venom flies through the air. It's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. It just looks, looks great. And the story of the story of of, of Eddie and his son Dylan will, will I don't know if it'll, it'll. There's been a lot of mysteries around that and Venom. Whether that's going to come to a head, um, uh, the Avengers are very much have been involved very much in, in how this has has been panning out so uh yeah just really really looking forward to it there's there's obviously going to be some uh variant covers uh of all kinds um there and uh, i know a lot of the a lot of the titles over the next few months are where with with uh with carnage with absolute carnage they were venomized covers wasn't that right yep that was one uh well these are now nullified covers uh, so there'll be a lot of a lot of tie-in covers for uh for this but uh, i just think this is going to be pure rock like uh, really looking forward to it um yeah well, it's interesting
0: yeah. that uh i i find this both hilarious and essential but marvel have been putting out in the last sort of year or two this anthology series called marvel tales and what marvel tales is about it's like maybe 120 pages and it'll be reprints of maybe four stories from these classic characters uh, back catalogue. So to give you an idea, there's been Marvel Tales for Thor, for Fantastic Four, for Spider-Man. Well, this month, you're getting no Marvel Tales number one for this two-year-old character. Uh, but what this will also act as, Roddy, certainly this might be something that interests you. This is going to put together sort of the prelude stuff that is necessary before Kingdom Black. So what you're going to get in this right. one is Venom 3 and 4. You're going to get Venom 25 and so you're essentially going to get those, uh, get the details that you need leading up to this. You know, Null's origin, where he's from, and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You you have had a slight brush with Null already, though, haven't you, Roddy?
1: Yes, I have. Silver Surfer, Black. Silver Surfer, which Black. which is unreal. What a book.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm.
1: like um, I've dipped my toe in the uh, the the, the Null pool.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's. I mean, I War of the Realms, um, Absolute Carnage, have given me a certain faith that they're not going to go too badly wrong. The way that the way that Marvel have structured, you know, these uh, company-wide events over the last couple of years has been uh, there. I mean, it's been a uh, it's been a teaching case on how to structure events. Really, you know that 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 everything. That is core text play, and I'm not I'm not bitching about about death metal, although it might sound that way. Nobody um, thought
0: you were until you had to specify that you were. <laughs> it's,
2: uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's just it's been a, a masterclass in how to do it, how to how to tell the story and tell a great story, and in that inside that five issues or six issues or seven, whatever it is, you know, and and keep it in there, and then everything else links or adds value. the 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 stories that feature you can you can tell whenever a character. You know so for example immortal hulk there's a one shot linked but it's written by al ewing who is the immortal hulk guy like so so it's if you're an immortal hulk fan it's probably still you know critical reading you know and it, it'll 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 link that character in some way you know not reading it will not take away from the main story but reading it will, will add value will tell the story of of what your character that you love is doing at that time and how they're linking to that event you know so so, so I think it, it's it's the way to do it. Like, and as I say, the way they have done these last few company-wide events has given me faith that this is, you know, you you would be able to go straight in probably with the five issues and and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're also one, for example, you know, one of those other characters that's tying in or or has a, an additional series, you know, if you're a Namor fan, then obviously you want to be picking up uh, King and Black Namor, for example. Um, but yeah, so so some great uh, some great stuff there. Uh, really looking forward to, to King and Black, and I think we all have been for, for a fair wee while now.
0: Yeah, if there's one thing Marvel does, it's the long game. They they definitely get you hyped up over a long time. I mean, we've we've seen Null is coming for probably six months, eight months, a year. They're very good at sort of hyping this stuff up, and to be honest with that team on King and Black, they'll, they'll inevitably deliver. It's, it's also nice as well what they do with this. They did the same for Absolute Carnage. Uh, the first issue was fifty six pages, and then the following issues were all forty pages, and they're doing the same thing here, so you're getting tons of content for your buck there, so to speak. you know by the time you factor in the forty you're you're talking two hundred pages just for the main title over five issues, which is great to see so yeah i I've no doubt that this will be one of the this will probably be Cates and Stegman's crown and glory, although in saying that. I think I remember saying something similar before Absolute Carnage because you didn't know if they could go much bigger than that. And then Absolute Carnage almost was like a starter for this, you know what I mean? This is the main course.
2: <laughs> so, well, you know, so, so this, is, this has got to be the peak. This has got to be. You know, this isn't going to be the second part of a three-arc story or something. I mean, this is... There can be nothing else comes after this, surely.
0: Donny Cates, I think Keith is challenging you. <laughs> So if you're listening, I hope you're working on part three. (laughs) But yeah, even just like on the Marvel previews book, once they uh, went with um, the 2020 event, they keep changing it now to 2020, but the zero is in the null sort of symbol. So yeah, they've been hyping this for a long time. And yeah, I've I've more than enough faith in these guys. It'll be worth the wait. I'm not too sure what I'm going to be reading through it. I have to be honest, with Absolute Carnage, I was reading Venom anyway. I got that Immortal Hulk one shot. I I avoided a couple of them, but I'll I'll see. But what Donny Kate's events, if there's anything to be learned from Absolute Carnage is, is that so many people just say, just give me it all. Just hook it to my veins, essentially. <laughs> you know So the pre orders are already but th- to be honest, the pre orders have been big in this since about June. You know, people yeah, have been asking yeah. can they pre order it? So this is this is gonna be one of the biggest, if not the biggest
2: title of the year I would say. Yeah, uh, I mean I I'd certainly I'll certainly be on the, the main series, staying on Venom. I don't think there's any Spider-Man related stuff, interestingly, because uh, Spider-Man's in the middle of Last Remains, but, um, and considering Venom span out of, of Spider-Man all those years, 30 years ago. Um, but certainly the, the Immortal Hulk uh, by Al Ewing. Uh, I'm, I'm on both Doctor Doom and, and Iron Man by, uh, by Christopher Cantwell, and uh, I can't pass that off, up, up Salvador Regard, so I'll probably grab that mm-hmm. one shot. Though it does look like the most Christmassy of the whole lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a it's kind of an interesting one let me see it has uh, santa
0: on the cover and everything it has
2: santa on the cover yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it uh let me see what does it say about it i uh, wonder how that
0: sounds the people you're talking about this dark event and cthulhu and you know venom and god of the symbiotes then you go oh but there's santa on the cover <laughs> i don't even know how that yeah. comes across if you can't see the art
2: Says Iron Man has risked everything to save Eddie Brock, and now he's left with nothing but guilt. As longtime frenemy Doctor Doom shows up with both counselling words and ulterior motives, they'll be forced to battle an all-too-familiar spectre of the holiday season. I'll be one now twisted and controlled by the recent invasion of Earth by the symbiote homeworld. As Iron Man and Doom fight, uh, as Iron Man and Doom fight, as a temporary. Uh, allies, their unexpected encounter both with each other, and the horrifying inversion of Yuletide Joy will ultimately reveal them to be the true meaning of nullness. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like Santa's going to be uh, gonna be symbiote-infected. <laughs> no, I see why you're on
0: board with this. Uh, this uh, oh, subversion so of Christmas, if you will. Well, I should actually throw an addendum to my previous statement of Biggest Style of the Year. It still has to go some way to be bigger than Three Jokers, so we'll see. But definitely has the potential to be so yeah, Keenan and Black number one. So again, if you're unsure about it, you know, obviously we've we've went into a bit of detail here, but just pop into the store, you'll you'll see the previews book. It breaks down each of the uh, the tie in events, and you can pick and choose as as Keith says. Marvel have been very good about the tie ins, just adding value rather than being essential. So you can pick and choose what you want to go with, or just stick with the main title and uh, and go from there. So. Cool. So that is the final pick of the month then, and that is Keenan Black number one. So yeah, that is going to bring an end to the previous podcast for the October book. So again, just to remind you, these are titles that mostly, apart from those advanced solicits, mostly ship in December. Uh, as ever, you can call in the store if you want any added to your pull list. You can drop us an email. Coffee and Heroes at Hotmail.com. You can find us on social media uh, and get in touch with us that way as well. If there's there's anything that catches your eye there, so yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed this. It's always a pleasure chatting through these books and sort of even just lifting our own hype for them. I have to say, yeah, so
2: getting getting excited about yeah. what's coming out.
0: Yeah, some really, really good stuff there and some interesting picks along the way as well. I must admit, when I wrote Roddy's picks onto the board, I didn't have a clue about any of them. So it's nice for you to educate me, sir.
1: There you go. The more you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, that's going to do it for us. We will be back again soon with uh, another Reviews podcast. We may have a little book club in the works and a few other bits and pieces as well. So keep an eye on the Coffin Heroes podcast and on the Coffin Heroes socials and we'll keep you informed on all of those. So until then, it's been a pleasure, guys. Good night.
1: Keep on winging it.
0: Like the artist in one of the books Roddy recommended. Beautiful.